That's RuPaul's tagline, I can't say that. Hold on, let me have a sip of tea. Checking my level! Is that peak it? Mm. Happy, happy, happy October. Hello, everybody. I hope you're doing awesome. I did a pretty wicked sober September on the sun's anvil, if you will. Uh, so, my, uh, October is maybe less clear-headed than uh, <laughs> usually I've been keeping it because I talk about it so much on the podcast and I find myself incredibly productive during sober October. You would think like, man, maybe that dude should always live like that. But you see, you know, I did it. I did it in, um, that was almost the lipstick riff. I did it a pretty good September. So, uh, but I've had a little bit of a setback. Uh, I was having some ongoing knee things. I went to the orthopedic doctor, which I, like, I love going to doctors. I think I've talked about this on here before that I just, they're always like trying to be so profesh. And one of my favorite things around super profesh people is to try to break them down into their like casual happy hour persona. Anyway, I have an MCL sprain, so I am not at the beach, which my COVID silver lining has been just going to the beach all the time. Best year ever. Come on. I'm not I'm not falling for the victimization, gamization of the internet speak. You know what I'm saying? I'm out there. I'm having fun, baby. So I got to take a little month off from uh, surfing, but really it's just like paddling. So I'm going to go for a paddle tomorrow. Adult learner. Worst phrase ever. But you know what? There's no adult learner if it's total commitment. But the problem with being an adult is it's pretty hard to do total commitment. Let me have a little sip of tea. So anyway, I, uh, someone, years ago, someone was like, boom, you know, you can surf in New York. And I was like, what? Oh. So I called Tim immediately. And, you know, God damn it, bless your soul, Tim, because I, taking a total pre-cook-cook shithead sucky-ass surfer out fucking blows. I've done it now. You're like, oh, fuck this motherfucker. This dude's crimping my style. And Tim did it for a long time. So first and foremost, thank you. So the next guest, the ultimate guest, I could not possibly crush on a human anymore. Tim is like a personal savior for me. Tim Lappin, AKA Casual Mail, which is the name of his project. Oh my God. Not only is he incredibly hip and happening musician, as you will hear from the obsessive phase that you're about to have listening to casual mail tracks now on all streaming services. He's a goddamn angel of a human being. Real talk. Mm. And what's funny about this podcast is that it's been in my head since the conception of Seeker Famous. So I was like, I'm going to do it with Tim because I've always loved Tim, even pre-surfing because the podcast is older than my surf adult learner, total commitment, obsession. Um, mm, mm. I'm switching to tea too. I have one cup of coffee and then I just drink tea all day. I've actually found it's 
It's actually been beneficial. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> so I, I had this dream with Tim that we would like surf and then go to Rockaway Taco. It'd be like a super sunny day and we'd have our iced coffee and then we'd get a second iced coffee. And then maybe he would make out with me. I know this sounds like I'm describing the perfect date, but it kind of is. Okay. And so, but I was, I had, I was cat sitting Pat's Firths. He's on an earlier Secret Famous Cats and he had a balcony and a studio. And I did the previous podcast, Casey's there. And it's a beautiful balcony. And Tim and I had a really good surf. And we hung out like a bunch beforehand, which I don't necessarily know is the best way to do a podcast. I think you got to catch that initial energy. So I had to do a, a paradigm shift. I think you're going to hear it in the podcast as Tim and I switched from just chilling on the porch, having a sandwich post-surf to like, all right, dude, um, tell me all about your career. And Tim was just fucking laughing at me first. I, I'm going to listen back to this podcast and think of that moment. So you'll probably hear it there. We had a surf. It was like two days after the Teddy swell, I think. I got fucking annihilated by a massive set. I got just straight yard sailed out there, which was embarrassing. But anyway, Tim, you know, he shredded as usual. Let's see what's on my notes here. Anyway, so the, the actual podcast was as dreamy as I imagined. We had a good time. I had to call Pat and Carsey and Joe, and he had to give me Pro Tools tips, us, like uh, me, how to fucking get it together, and they clapped, and that was great. <sighs> so, boom, that was awesome. Casual male, dude, check him out. So when he's not probably playing in this band or surfing, he is a super successful sideman. Many cats around town, all the coolest cats. We talk about him in here a little bit, maybe I'll put it in the little blurb, but most notably the dude formerly known as Chet Faker, an Australian dude who goes by the name of Nick Murphy. Timbo, Tim, he's humble, sweet, hardworking, thoughtful, and prior to this podcast, so he says in here, he's like, oh, Paul knows more about surfing than me. It's only because, and I know nothing about surfing compared to Tim, but I became and have been very obsessed with the books and internet culture. Uh, because Tim just shreds. He doesn't have to read about it all day. When someone can't shred, when you're like me, you can't shred, you obsessively try to like learn about it, right? Just like the guitar. Like, I can't really do sweet George Benson licks. So that's what I'm working on right now. And I think I end up just watching more George Benson interviews and listening to it than I do like actually trying to transcribe the shit and figure out how to play it. Because I've already adult learned total commitment to fucking surfing. I don't have time to get Benson licks together. That's not true. I'm trying to work on it. Anyway, that was a joke. But anyway, prior to the podcast, Tim, so I'm obsessive consumer of surf media. It actually is honestly a little embarrassing to talk about. It's almost like nerdier. It feels nerdier than like the fish thing that I talk about on here all the time. But anyway, I'll read every book, watch every movie. I'll stay up till 6 a.m. watching surf movies. It's a goddamn problem. <laughs> Um, and listening to Dick Dale. That was the wrong pickup, too, I think, if you're going to. So, uh, Tim, his father taught him how to surf, and he brought this old surfer magazine, which surfer just two days ago 
uh, basically closed its doors, which is uh, big news in the surf community. Like, I'm not a member of it at all, but I like to learn about it. And it's a 1966 surfer magazine, which I'm going to frame and is now my most prized possession. But Tim, like I said, I, I don't actually feel comfortable owning something that amazing. I'm going to just, I'm going to hold on to it for a little while. Someday Tim's going to be like, all right, I need that magazine back. Um, it's so beautiful. So Tim gave me a fucking present. That's how fucking cool and sweet he is, dude. God damn it. I, re I wrote all these notes so that this would go really fast because I felt like the Casey intro was really good, but I think I'm just so psyched because it's Tim. So now I'm already at eight minutes and 30 seconds. So I'm sorry. Let's get to the goddamn chase. We're going to play you in with this badass fucking track called Don't Want Me Around. It's his newest, newest, newest track. Maybe came out in May. It's so good. It's super good. You're going to love it. Uh, please enjoy this conversation with the man, the legend, the boss, my main homie, Tim Lappin, casual male. And I'll see you on the other side. Have a goddamn great fucking go out. I'll see you soon. Aloha.
Ladies and gentlemen, here we are, live, real, at Rockaway Beach with <laughs> singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, casual male, Tim Lappin. Hey, Paul. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> usually I like, usually I feel like we get right into a podcast. Like I don't like to talk or hang out but tim and i have just hung out all morning so it's now i'm trying to i'm trying to do a paradigm shift i'm shifting into my uh talk show host persona yeah big shifts big shift well ladies and gentlemen here tim i'm gonna tell you a story i've been waiting to tell you for a long time we're we're tim lapin is of the highest order and i'll prove this story i have a friend and he was he did a tour with steve gadd and he came back and he was like, I was like, man, what's it like playing with Steve Gadd? And he was just like, Steve Gadd is a beautiful cat, man. <laughs> and I asked, I thought that was so sweet. And I asked Rachel later that night, my wife, I said, wife, man, isn't that cool? He called Steve Gadd a beautiful cat. I was like, who am I seeing? Who's a beautiful cat? And Rachel like thought about it for a second. She goes, Tim Lappin. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is a great, great compliment. That's a great compliment. Yeah. So, Wow. Man, well, thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you, Rachel. And thank you. <laughs> I guess thank you, Paul. The beautiful cat. So, Tim. Yes. I played people. We didn't totally agree on everything, but oh, yeah. I played people in with your newest release. Okay. Don't Want Me Around. Correct. Yes. Tell us about this monster bop. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Don't Want Me Around. I... It's part of um, an EP that I haven't released all the songs yet. It seems to be the model now where you do a song at a time, right? So I've done, I put one EP out maybe two years ago and then have been slowly putting the second EP out. And this is the third song. And um, this one is an interesting one, I guess, because for a minute I was doing this band with. Uh, a lot of our mutual friends, Kirk Shanehair, Dave Scalia, and Grant Zabritsky, mm-hmm. called Boy Band Band. <laughs> Boy Band Band. Boy Band Band. Um, and we only played like five or six shows. It was really, really fun. And so we were all just bringing in material. And I have, I'm always writing and doing lots of demoing. And I was trying to bring something into Boy Band Band that I thought maybe didn't quite fit for the casual mail thing. And I had this demo that I've been working on and then just burnt through it one weekend and just finished it and brought it in. And we ended up playing it and I really dug it. And then after that, I was like, I gotta, I'm just going to record this for casual mail because I really like it. And no one cared. They're like, yeah, whatever. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, so I, that was the way I got it done. Because I was like, I'm going to bring this into those guys and we can play it uh, immediately. Yeah. It's like we don't have to go through the process of recording it and all this. It's like instant feedback. So um, I brought it to them and yeah, it was like really fun to play and everyone enjoyed it. So uh, it kind of just came together that way. And then when I started recording these casual mail songs, that was like kind of on the top of the list of tunes to do. And just because I may have missed it, is there a, a lineup difference between boy band band and casual mail well i'm just i just for the listener (laughs) 
It's very similar. <laughs> it's a different drummer. It's yeah. It's Dave okay. um, Burnett on drums. Uh, has to be someone named Dave on drums. And in Casual Mail. Well, Dave Sky played in boy band bands. So. And Dave Scalia is in. Okay. It's very confusing. And then as far as... No, no, it's, it's totally cool. It's funny that they are both Dave. And they're both exceptional drummers. Yeah, both incredible yes. drummers. Yeah. Um, and sometimes Brian Colleen plays bass in Casual Mail or Grant Spritzky. So kind of changes. But just um, both those guys have done it multiple times. You know, Tim, that's interesting because I was thinking that this track in particular had a very, like, band vibe like maybe you guys wrote it as a band instead of just kind of like full tim lappin is that the case or no am i hearing this correctly or you wrote all the parts yeah i wrote all the parts yeah i wrote that one weirdly yeah i think i wrote everything and yeah i don't know that one just kind of like a lot of times with the casual mail stuff i demo everything out i play I'll play all the parts and, you know, drum machines and that kind of thing. And then the goal is to bring it to those dudes and they're like, see what you're trying to do. And now I'm going to make it good, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Like Kirk is great at that. He always can kind of, I see the idea. Now let me expand that. And same with the Dave Burnett on drums. Like, just incredible. So, um, but with that one... It was actually, I think I wrote everything, and Kirk even was like, yeah, that's that's cool. I mean, Kirk plays on the recording. Yeah. Um, he plays, like, the lead parts and some of the more rhythmic parts, and then I, pl- I play some of it, too, on guitar. And, but I played bass and uh, some of the keys and all that kind of stuff. And <clears throat> did you, like, rehearse the band? Do you re- Before you made this new EP, was it kind of like you rehearsed a band and went in and tracked it all live, or was it kind of pieced together? We... With this one, well, what I found to work for me is with the casual mail stuff is I was trying to book shows every few months and the show would be a way to play a new song. So every show I wanted to write a new song for and have us play it, even if it wasn't great. And so all these songs on the second EP, we were basically already playing because I would just bring them in and we would play them. So they were kind of ready to go. And then when we recorded it, I mean, it's the thing I feel like happens a lot when I do recordings. It's like, yes, we're going to track live. And then we're like, well, the bass doesn't, it's not great. So we'll just, we're going to redo that. And I like, might as well redo the guitars. And, you know, we track live and then yeah. we redo everything. Basically, the only thing that sticks around are the drums, yes, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, because tracking guitar, like someone like you and Kirk, you guys get such cool sounds. That takes like a second probably to... Yeah, well, we were... Um, everything I've recorded, I've done with Abe Seaforth at Transmitter Park in Greenpoint. Yeah. Uh, quick shout out to Abe. Shout um, out Abe. <laughs> but he's been great. You know, I owe him so much for making these songs and, and he's the one who's really made them sound great, you know. Yeah. And... Um, one issue we had with the last one is we couldn't record guitar and drums at the same time like so we were kind of using workarounds mm-hmm. and then and it, it sounded good but i think afterwards they're like well kirk's gonna play through let's get kirk playing through this like vintage princeton amp blasting you know and really work on those tones a little bit more so so we did extra 
stuff with with Kirk just playing Overwatch, you know. So, and some some stuff we kept. The fun thing about um, working with Abe is a lot of the times, like in this tune, half the guitar stuff is just guitar recorded at home, um, and. The vocals, your, your parts? Yeah. Mm-hmm. My parts I did at home and the vocals I did at home. Really? Yeah. And the thing about it that works so well with Abe is it's like I'm like not getting hi-fi sounds at my place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is a nice kind of composite between the really great studio sounds. Like the drums sound amazing. The guitars sound amazing. And then it's like my kind of lo-fi sounding shit mixed in with that. <laughs> sounds really good together for me it's like it's the thing i like you know you keep that that special demo thing you know Mm. you get demoitis and you're like i just don't know why why can't i get back to the demo sound yeah yeah yeah. so i i kind of uh and abe's very willing to work with the shit i have (laughs) and kind of polish a turd as they say (laughs) (laughs) dude that is all of these reveal as dear listener as you listen to the whole casual mail catalog there is a very strong sound to each of the tracks. Like, they all sound like a family, you know, as the sounds have developed. And like I maybe alluded to, it sounds like your writing style is a little more congealed, like, oh, it's two guitar band with some synth. Yeah. <clears throat> but that is super funny that you track your own vocals. Yeah, I think we... And then you bring them in. You're like, okay, make this sound great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I know he... I mean, he's a good friend, so he seems willing to do it but i'm sure you know because we both agree that the most important thing is vibe always yeah you know and i 100 agree and yes. i get i'm way more comfortable singing vocals at home you know and i it's not like i'm not a singer you know i sing but it's not like i know not someone's like hey can you sing this part i'm gonna send you this track you need you to sing on it like i couldn't do that <laughs> so becoming comfortable at home yeah. doing many takes whatever finding that weird one that where you just hit something really nice mm. is um important for me for the vocals for sure i can't like it's like not like bass or guitar it's like okay i'm gonna play the part it's like i have to feel it or something i don't know there's so many factors in your voice like how hydrated you are how much sleep you got it, it sucks so, it sucks it, it's horrible and how do you edit them or do you send him like 20 takes and you're like, no, good I, luck, bud. I, I edit them. You, so you send him like an edited master track and yeah. then, yeah. Yeah, I bring it in. Sometimes I'll have, you know, alternate things, but like I've, I edit it. I get it as good sounding as I can, like a decent chain with plugins on it. It doesn't sound bad. Yeah, yeah. Mind you. But um, I try to. I try to make it so he hates me the the least. You know, like I don't, I don't, want, I want him to still want to work with me. So, <laughs> not a not a total jerk. <laughs> That's funny, man. Yeah, I have a friend, Tom, at Riff Studios, and I got I went into his spot one day, and Chromio had just been in there, and he oh, just wow. showed me the session, and it was he just came in and did forty passes, and he had to edit them all. Vocal passes? Yeah. Holy shit. He's like, this is just the hook. Here's the verses. I was like, he doesn't even decide? Like, a singer at that level? He's not like, this is you know what I mean? Like, what is... Wow. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. That is interesting. I mean, damn. That's crazy. I personally do better with uh, a, a second human, like, it, kind of coaching me around. Yeah. 
you know and we and i've done that with abe too some of like half the songs i've done not half like a first ep i did everything at home but this new one so like two or three tunes i did in the studio with him yeah and that worked for those tunes because i don't know they were harder to sing or something and just having a guy be like that was good let's do one more you know yeah, that, yeah. that old move you know like every time you sing the word you you're yeah. putting a vibrato on it like yeah that's exactly what... <laughs> yeah pointing out little oh, yeah, sp- yeah. spotting <laughs> take a breath yeah try that try breathing oh okay and so you just said the first EP you did everything at home. That's all the vocals, but you did a lot of the yeah all the bass and uh, guitar with with Abe. Yes, yeah. 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 The vote I think just and then like I did extra synths and stuff at home. Like Grant played some synths, and I had my friend Nate do some vocals at home. Yeah, and um, Nate Terry, say the full name. Sweet Nate Terry. Sweet Nate Terry. He's the sweetest. Uh, yeah. So that first one, but I ended up just doing all the vocals at home, and because I didn't I. It was a funny thing with that first EP where I recorded it at Transmitter and Abe was just hired as an engineer because him and Dave Burnett are very good friends. That's how I kind of got introduced into Abe's world. And then after we did the initial tracking and I did the vocals at home, I kind of hit him up like, hey, can you you help? And then he basically came on to finish it with me and mixed it. Cool. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I and sometimes I think I'm a guitar player. As a guitar player, I try not to nerd too hard, but I have a massive guitar crush on Kirk. So I always <laughs> imagine like you and Kirk working this out. All of no, and this is no offense to my dear friend Tim Lappin, but all of the cool guitar sounds. I'm like, oh, Kirk is so good. <laughs> now you're revealing your your well, half mastermind behind your own band. Of course, I should have known that. Like you're the guy. Well, it's. Like I said, you know, I try to, I try to get the sound, and then I mean, Kirk is tone master. Tone master. Yeah. Um, yeah, he has like a weird way of making the delay. It's always like perfect. I've asked him probably two hundred times, "How do you do that?" And he tells me, and then I, I don't know how to do yeah. it. Yeah. So when you are doing this secondary guitar part, you basically put on a Kirk Schoenhauer mask. You're like, what yeah. would Kirk do? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, he. I've played more gigs with Kirk than probably any human being, and that seeps in over time. You're just like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I just want that. I want that thing that he does. That's yeah. so good. So yeah, tell us. Tell, <laughs> tell us how you guys all met. And I mean, this is essentially the Nick Murphy band, right? Your band is almost no, no, no. Pretty close. Boy band band is essentially Nick Murphy's band. Yeah, I mean, again, pretty much the same guys. Right. But yeah, with the exception of the drummer. Um, oh, that's a different drummer. Yeah, yeah, Robbie Sinclair. Oh my God. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, Robbie Robbie was playing with Nick. Um, and still, I guess, technically plays with Nick. I don't know who plays with anyone anymore, but um, yeah, so... As far, uh, what would you mean, like how that band came together, or how for how, the listener at home too? Nick Murphy is an artist who was formerly known as Chet Faker. Yes, and ironically, I just recently was telling someone, yeah, he he, he played with Nick Murphy, and they're like, who? And I was like Chet Faker, and they're like, oh, that guy. <laughs> so it's so hard to change name once you pick the name. Yes, um, and yes, I think I was alluding to. 
you guys are all in a thousand bands together. Your whole crew. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And did you guys meet in college? I met Kirk first, I guess, through a friend, Greg Thomas. Do you know Greg at all? I don't know Greg Thomas. He's a songwriter in Brooklyn. Greg, so, you know, it's really interesting stuff here for your podcast. (laughs) How did I meet people? Um, Well, well, I met Greg basically maybe in like the first week I moved to New York and I didn't know any musicians, weirdly, even just coming from Philly. And I went to a concert with my friend Lavinia from Philly and she invited me to this thing and I met Greg and this guy John Kramer who were in a band and they needed a bass player and Lavinia's like, oh, Tim plays bass. So I joined this band with Greg and John and did that for about a year. And then when Greg did his own thing, he would, Greg would always tell me, like oh man you got to meet my buddy kirk he's this great jazz guitar player you you really got to meet him i'm like i don't want to i don't want to meet your friend i don't want <laughs> <laughs> stop yeah, whatever, i don't know i'm I, playing with you bro yeah like just i don't want to meet him um because i'm an asshole but so he would always tell me about the, this guy kirk and then when he started his own band greg kirk played guitar and i played bass and this guy steve Purcell played drums and uh that's kind of how kirk and i became buds and started playing in all kinds of different stuff together. And then he, I mean, we've done, yeah, tons of bands over the years. And then he got called to audition for Chet Faker and started playing with him several years before I did. And then he got the MD job and there was a tour where they had a bass player, but he couldn't do it. And so he got me in and I did, I was basically just subbing and I did just quick, it was like a week at the end of the year one year. It was super cool i mean like for me it was like you get you know like these stories you hear about baseball players getting called up for like one game or something (laughs) you know they've worked their whole life and they get one at bat and they're like it was worth it it was (laughs) worth it for that major yeah Yeah, the whole family's there cheering (laughs) uh it felt like that and it was great (laughs) and and, and then um were they huge shows were you like they i mean they were headlining msg or like <laughs> not that big but for me they were huge yeah the first show was at the uh oh, i can't remember the name of it it's in santa Ana. um i can't remember the name of it. but um you know it, i don't know how big it is but at the time it felt like the fucking coliseum you know yeah. <laughs> just yes. people like us have like don't have a panic attack you'll be okay <laughs> you're gonna do all right yeah um but that, for that for, because we didn't really rehearse, like I learned all the music, met Nick the day before. We ran through the songs one time. He was like, yeah, sounds good. And then we went and did the show. So I was like, <gasps> you know. Yeah. And you, you uh, jumped in the deep end. Jumped yeah. in. And it went well. And so then they, I stayed on and then um, Grant, Sabritsky, and Robbie joined. And then basically it was the f- Kirk, Grant, Robbie, and I for about three or four years yeah that's um, a huge gig oh yeah very lucky it was super you had a good run in the majors bro exactly you thought it was one at bat little yeah. did you know yeah i got you know i got a few seasons in yeah <laughs> <laughs> i feel very fortunate you know like it's all good but it, man very fun the best oh that is awesome i uh recently i remember like i i'm such a club date musician i had a gig in a bigger venue and so i just asked like the tm i was like hey you know if you get a second too could you just get the wi-fi password and he's like (laughs) 
He's like, you're such a little room guy. The <laughs> Wi-Fi password's in the green room. Like I was like, I was like immediately like, oh, duh. <laughs> <laughs> so that wasn't the Santa Ana Bowl or whatever, but like still, I, I'm sure you were probably like, or the other thing when you when you go from your tiny room to the big room is like, yeah, you, all your patch cords need to be like 25 feet or your power, you know what I'm mean? saying? So like. Did you have a little moment like well, that where you're like, oh, my God. Well, the, I mean, here's here's the, the ultimate where there's techs <laughs> setting your shit up. <laughs> I yeah. had, we played a, a festival in San Diego, and this is still very early on in my playing with Nick. So it, it, everything was so exciting. I yeah. mean, it was the whole time. but um, And I had a friend come out to the gig. And I played in a band. I played in a <laughs> band with this guy in high school and college a punk ska band <laughs> called Dirty Larry, <laughs> uh, which was a very fun band, but Matt Vernon. And so he came to the gig. I was like, oh, you should come, like, whatever, got him backstage, we're drinking beers. And then he went out to watch the show and saw a man come out and, like, pick my bass up and tune it. He was like, that's the craziest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> Some dude just came out and tuned your instrument for you? Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. I thought the same thing. Yeah, you're like, whoa. I mean, I'd go out and be like, I could do it, dude. Like, you don't have to do it. It's like, no, it's my job. It's okay. It's like, literally my job. They're yeah. literally paying They're me. They're paying me to do this. I feel really bad. I'll set my gear up. I don't care. You, let me break it down. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I'll break it down. Yeah, He's he, like, no. No. This is, yeah. So that was that perspective from him. Be like, oh, yeah, that's fucking cool. I'll take it while I can get it. Oh, sure. yeah. That's super cool. Yeah, it was great, man. Very, yeah. very fortunate to have gotten to do that gig. Is that maybe one of the gigs that... No, but I'm going to... I know the answers to some of these questions, but <laughs> I'm still going to ask them anyway. I'm going to edit my own shit out right here. Um, <clears throat> do you edit these? Like, do you cut stuff out? Uh, usually not. A okay. little bit. If you listen to it and you say, you have to take this out. Oh, I always I... tell this one story is I did one of these. <laughs> Someone told a whole DWI story, and oh. it was hilarious. And immediately the next morning, they're like, okay, we have to edit that out. Like, I'm not ready to, like, tell everybody about... <laughs> yeah, the time I committed a crime or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's been a, a, a bunch of them, but that's the funniest one because it was such a good story. And <sighs> I was so bummed to take it out. It's 20 minutes of content right there. Yeah. <laughs> Was like, the whole, yeah, whole then interview. I was driving home, and then next thing I know, and I was like, oh, my God. As Steve Waite said, I hate to go to jail on an empty stomach. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, still one of my favorite quotes. <laughs> anyway, I was going to say, Tim, did when you were doing gigs where people were setting your shit up, that was kind of, is that where casual mail kind of started to spread its wings? Or uh, tell what? us kind of the advent of... This is a huge question, but of Tim Lappin, sideman, bassist, into Tim Lappin, songwriter, frontman. Well, it those two things kind of happened at the same time, weirdly. I mean, like, we recorded the first EP, and then, like, two weeks later, I was doing the... It all, like, happened within, like, a week. Cool. And though they are not connected in any way, shape, or form, I do feel, and this is kind of, I'm going to say this and then I guess backtrack to what you <laughs> actually asked me, but um, the process of starting to do my own thing weirdly opened up the possibility of something else, yeah. of like this, this gig happening. I just, 
sort of believe in that idea that I was like, I'm going to do my own thing. That took a couple years to get to. And what happened was, I mean, I, I've worked tons of odd jobs over the years, as you know, like worked at Brooklyn Brewery for essentially 10 years. And I had this very distinct memory in my head of like, you know, just working jobs, playing gigs, kind of doing whatever I can to make money and play as much as possible, tour as much as possible. And I just had this moment one day where I was walking home from the brewery. I just like had worked many weeks in a row. I was very tired and was thinking about a friend who had made, just put out like a record or something, a vinyl. And I just thought, man, that's so fucking cool that they made their own shit. And who knows if anything's going to come from it, but they created a thing that's their own. And I need to try to make my own thing. Yeah. Even if it's shit. And, and basically I just had, I was walking to the subway and just had this image of like playing shows and like making a, a record and all this stuff. And it just really stuck with me. And then I just started writing every day and, um, wrote, like the first EP, I think is five songs. I probably wrote 50 songs. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And got it because I was learning how to write music. I didn't know, I really didn't know how to write a good song. And obviously, as you know, it's like a fucking lifetime to learn how to do that well. It's hard to do. Yeah. But I didn't know how to sing. So it was learning how to sing, how to write and kind of tack from the sideman bass player thing completely you know mm -hmm. so it was a, it was a lot of work but i would do it every day just write as much as possible sing as much as possible and you know i call it the jaws maybe i've said this before the jaws principle the jaws protocol or whatever where like you know the the, the shark broke down when they were filming jaws so they had to be creative using the soundtrack and other things to be able to create suspense and you're using your strengths at the time to create something and so as I started writing and doing stuff, realizing, like, I'm not good at this thing. I'm not going to try and push that. I'm going to, like, find ways to make my voice work in these songs and ways to use, you know, the lyrical content that feels real to me. Not, I'm not trying to push anyone else's thing, and it'll take time. But slowly I'm going to start to find those, the voice, both the singing voice and both the lyrical voice. Mm -hmm. It just took a long time. Yeah. Work. Yeah. You're no, you're, you are, Tim Lavin is not afraid of work. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, you enjoy it. Enjoyed the process. I love it. Yeah. 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 Song. And I think for me, and I would be curious what you would say too, is like starting to write songs. I don't know. I really fell in love with it and a deeper way than I think even playing bass or something. It's just like the craft of it and, when you write a song you're really proud of mm -hmm. and excited by, there's no greater feeling in the world to me. It's just like, I'm so excited when I think I've written a song I like. I don't know. Have you found that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, <clears throat> it's, the, it's the pressure test. Like, can you listen to your own song more than... <laughs> 10, well, the, the true test is if someone else is in the room you go hey let me play you this thing and Robbie Sinclair <laughs> always says this as soon as you fucking hit that space bar yeah. and it just starts playing you're like oh this should be louder or oh, uh, you instantly know if it's good or not you just like yeah. start like oh but that, that won't be there and da, 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 you know all those things you instantly know you hit that space bar gink oh shit this sucks uh, 
I shouldn't have played this for you. Fuck. <laughs> you know? Uh, in, well, because you had such a strong identity as a bass player, is that, and I don't know the answer to this question, but is that where the guitar revealed it? Were you doing like, okay, I'm going to be a singer-songwriter? Well, and that's where you're like, that's why I'm not going to play bass in my own band, because you put all this large piece of your life into bass. It, to me, that's what's so captivating or powerful about someone like you to be like, I'm not going to play bass. Well, <laughs> I'm going to point to the Jaws thing again, because <laughs> <laughs> playing bass well and singing is very hard. Incredibly hard. And a lot of my music is pretty groove based mm -hmm. and I just didn't want to fuck that up and it's like I like writing the bass parts and I like recording them but and I was practicing trying to get it feeling good and I was like I don't I'm not trying to think while we're playing shows yeah I can hire Brian Colleen and Grant Zabritsky who I fucking love how they play and and it has actually made me appreciate the bass way more than I ever did because now I'm like, that feels great. Like, I don't have to do shit on guitar. <laughs> guitar you just played two and I, four or I something? I fuck yeah. up. I play wrong notes all the time. It doesn't fucking matter. It's great. It doesn't mess with the groove. It barely, right? It barely yeah. touches it. You know, yeah. They're just full steam ahead. So, and Dave Burnett is just like a monster. So, I, it was partly that. I was like, that's, I'm already trying to learn how to sing here and write these songs and... Uh, I don't need to add this extra difficult thing. And it feels so good with other people doing it. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to make it as easy live for myself, like as a winning of a formula. So I just hired the dudes. I th just like, these guys are going to crush it and they're great friends. And yeah. Make it easy. Yeah. Um, so that that's really why I decided not to play bass in the band, I guess. That's a very practical response. Yes. Very practical, yes. It wasn't like, no, I needed to step away from, and discover my... You were just like, no, it just grooves harder if just, I'm yeah. doing two things. Yeah, yeah, I can't... I mean, like, people who can do it well, like, so impressed whenever I see a bass player... Who sings well, that is a very small number. Yeah. It's... But, man, it's, incre it's incredible. It's I, incredible. I just can't do it. <sighs> That's cool. And do you always write with a recording device? Because I know you're you're uh, a strong studio guy, or do you do you do like I call them digs, or where you just like record into your phone? I do both. Or since it's groove based, maybe you do both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll. I mean, like I have a guitar on the couch, and often I'll just like strum, and whatever try and come up with something or something pops in my head and then record that into the phone uh, and if I think it's good then maybe I'll go right to the computer and start demoing it out because for me the drums are kind of the most important thing like yeah. figure that out and the rest kind of it's like this for me the skeleton it's like okay now I know the form of this thing I know how it's going to feel and then I can work on top of that and that makes it easier for me I guess um, that's usually how I do it. But sometimes I'll just like write in the box, try and come up with something. I try different methods uh, to varying degrees of success. Yeah. You know, <laughs> some go well, some do not. That's interesting because I, I was thinking about that. Like I do, 
so much better away from I can't just be like let me write a song and then go computer and then I'm like it becomes an EDM track <laughs> you know what I mean like, I'm like but if I if That's I cool. separate them personally I find so I think it's interesting so do you usually write from the guitar like you just have a guitar in your hand yes and I'm currently just trying to actually write the words first that's hard do you do that no not usually sometimes they come first i feel like some of your phrases though if i look back in your catalog i'm like <laughs> I, I i feel like i think this came catalog <laughs> well dude you have a catalog of songs like um and i'll be remiss if i mess this up but you <clears throat> what's super funny tim is i was going to set you up <laughs> and say how much you swear in your music that you don't actually really swear as a person in nor you don't have like a potty mouth but you have sworn <laughs> like three, three or time. four times yeah, yeah. yeah it's like this is how Tim normally talks uh, sorry <laughs> can you bleep those out no <laughs> Tim doesn't swear edit, edit them out Chris I was gonna say <laughs> well in your newsletter and when you you have a couple swear words in your songs yeah I, a very strong one on the first EP. Yeah, that was a that was a big, big beat on that swear word. Um, <laughs> and Dude, tell and, tell us the hook, dude. Well, the, yeah, the, the song is called "Taking It Easy," and the the tag of the song is "All you motherfuckers <laughs> got the blues, but me." <laughs> Which is like the it's so funny too because it's later on in the EP, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like track four. It's track four. Yeah. It's track four. So you're listening to this whole EP, and you're just like, "Damn, this is just really good music." And then that track comes, you're like, a little shocked. You're like, "Wow!" <laughs> and then I remember you recorded it in, in your newsletter. Tim would write things like, "Sorry, everybody, about the swear word in my song that's getting a little bit of play." You know what I mean? Like, what? It that talking about like lyrics coming first i guess those lyrics did actually come first i was walking to get a burrito as uh -huh. i as i often do and th that you know whenever you leave your house or apartment you're you're just the you're in the world's uh you know like way it feels like so in the two blocks walking to get a burrito like getting in some altercation with a guy on the street and just like fuck this goddamn people sorry cursed again <laughs> Ah, man. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, it's yeah. awesome. It's like your your pad just says Tim doesn't curse, and then that's like your that's the that underlining. No, I yeah. was gonna be like, you know, he only swears in songs. And you're like, so this motherfucker comes up yeah. to me. And I was, this big son of a bitch. <laughs> the, uh. the podcast is uh, rated explicit, so people. Is it know, okay? Oh yeah, yeah. No, okay. there's tons of swearing on it. Okay. I totally purposely was like, no, this is this is R rated. Cause okay. All right. Um. I should ask before we started. No, uh, you can curse. But, so, so yeah, I get into like some weird thing with someone on the street, and I, you know, I take these things personally for stupid reasons, and that one I just like popped into my head of this kind of like you're just in such self denial, <laughs> you're like angry and like all these things, but you're like everyone's got a fucking problem but me. It's not me. <laughs> it's not me. It is not me. It's everyone else <laughs> is why I'm angry. You know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that's a great tune, though. It's like such. I always say that to my songwriting students. I was like, you gotta leave me with one thing. Yeah. And that leaves a, a probably on everybody. After every show, is everybody like, man, I really like that motherfucking blues song, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny because I think I told my mom like <laughs> I have this song and it has this lyric, 
and she was kind of disappointed at first <laughs> she was like oh can you not because i played her a demo or something and she was she was a little like uh and then i tried to replace it yeah and it just didn't work it didn't have this it didn't hit nearly as it hard it didn't hit, i mean it it is kind of like a drop the oh, first yeah. the first time you hear it oh dude it t- comes you're like whoa yeah a little little much but then once you've heard it once it feels right it feels great um, and you can relate to it you're like yeah and then the other song the new one yes yeah, has a, a, an f-bomb now i'm saying Fuck em. Oh, yeah but again <laughs> i just felt it was like the perfect word at that moment yeah for that lyric um yeah well, it is can't uh can't beat them, can't join them, so fuck them. <laughs> Avoid them. <laughs> I don't know. Worked. Again, try to do something different than that, but like, ah, it just feels, again, I'm like in my like closet recording. I was like, this is right. This, this, is, this, is, this is it. This is good. good. Yeah. Uh, uh, on know. a personal note, can I ask about Hot Route? Because that lyric, dude, I like it. I, I, I think I listened to it and I texted Tim. I love it so much. I played video game football. Dude, Hot Route makes me feel open. Every time I hear it, I'm like, yes! Like, seriously. <laughs> it makes me feel so open that you snuck Hot Route into a track. <laughs> How did you do it? Well, <laughs> I would love to... I, I wish I could say it was really clever or something, but um, I don't know, man. I I will often, with lyrics... If something just sounds good, even if the context might be like, I don't really understand this, if it feels good in it and I believe it for whatever reason, mm-hmm. I'm going to stick with it. And that was one of those where um, I can't even remember the lyrics that precede it or follow it. But it was like, I was thinking actually about like studio stuff and like working in a studio. Interesting. And then uh, I think I had a different line, hot something, and then just hot route. I was trying to find a word that like hot route. It's like well, that's like a football thing, but I don't know. It could work for this. It feels good. Let's go with it. You know. Like, no, we, I love it. Yeah, it's like the best lyric of all time. <laughs> and, and that the, the delivery of the track too is almost like a rap character because it's slow and yeah. it's not many pitches. So you're really taking in every one of those lyrics yes. as a listener. Yeah, I'm like I hear every word. You know what I mean? Yeah, like. Yeah. Yeah, that way and again that's like I'm not a great singer, so I'm like, here how can I do this? All right. There's no melody, it's just one you know, but it's kinda cool and then there's more, you know, the the melody's more expressive in the chorus. Mm-hmm. But um Yeah, I don't know. It just worked. It works. No, it's brilliant. <clears throat> that's the third track off the new EP. How many it's, roughly tracks are coming it, out? It's gonna be I think it might just be four. I have one, another one that's finished and ready to go. And I might just put that out. Um, we were recording a couple more, but they kind of got held up, and I might just make that a whole other thing. So I might just make this one four, and uh, I don't know when to put that out. I don't know when to release music anymore. No, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's. Uh, <clears throat> I feel like in every secret famous, because I have done basically all indie musicians it's always like so yeah well, i don't know what do you think yeah what do you, yeah what, uh, which, what, what paul what should i do <laughs> yeah like everybody's like ah uh, what does it even mean anymore yeah uh, i think i'm gonna put it out soon my before the year ends or before the there. election was my thought yeah <laughs> just like because 
after that, I mean, like, forget it. Who knows what's going to happen, oh, right? Man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's scary. Um, Maybe there'll be a lull in the news cycle in December. No, probably not. It's probably going to be a contested election. Yeah. D- get it out. Yeah. It's yeah, probably get better it out. to yeah, get yeah, it out. Yeah. Just probably get out, like, <laughs> ASAP. Is, so the band's going to maybe do some new recording in the spring? <sighs> I don't Not know. Not to put you on the spot. No, no, I'm no. Just... I, I mean, I, I go back and forth where I think, man, should I, like, you know, what am I, what am I doing here? Um, but then I get really inspired and I mean, I have a ton of songs I still want to record that are already written and I want to write a bunch more. So I think I might do another... I would love to do a full length someday. Um, just it's tough to write that many songs and the financial aspect of it, of course. But I have like another EP's worth of songs that I think are really strong. So I think, yeah, maybe spring, seeing how things go. Mm-hmm. I'd, lo- I'd love to record them again. I, I mean, like a really, a couple of them I think are the best songs I've ever written. So uh, we'll see. I'm going to talk to Abe and. Kirk and Dave and see if they're down because usually it's just Kirk, Dave and I and Abe working on the stuff so yeah yeah I, I mean I mean you feel you feel this thing you know you're like you're like okay now but I gotta I gotta make another thing right yeah yeah no I get constantly defeated the whole process of releasing music feels like uh, a defeation but Writing the music is a victory because it always yes. feels good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like you, when you write a song, it feels good. You're it's psyched the, about it for best. maybe yeah. six weeks. I got about six weeks until I'm on to another song. No, that's good. And I think that's why um, what's hard about right now is like not playing shows. Shows were my way to keep that excitement going because I would try to write a new song every show. It's like, okay, whatever. And then if it's not strong, we play it once, then we maybe bring a new one in. But like every time... I wanted to bring a new new song into the show and motivated me to write more without deadlines it's it's difficult you know i mean i'll do it but it's just like eh, it's, uh, it's nebulous yeah yeah well maybe you got to get the band just rehearsing again they're probably sitting around be like listen guys tuesday night you're <laughs> rehearsing with me we should uh should i force them to join a google calendar <laughs> <laughs> I was telling Tim right before this that I do not share Google calendars. And Tim agreed with me on this sentiment because that is bad news. Bad That's, news. Yeah. Three weeks from now, I saw that you're open on this Thursday. So I went ahead and put it into the calendar. You're like, well, I'd love to just have that Thursday, to be honest. You know? And Tim, you said... You're like, yeah, I just want to rehearse as much as possible. And that was be the voice of the artist. And Tim's like, yeah, well, I'm looking to not. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'll learn the songs. And, you know. And then I'll show up and we'll play them. Yeah, 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 yeah. It'll be fine. It'll be this much better if we don't. I don't know. We're not going to be you 2 at the end of this. Oh, well. Yeah, no. Sharing a Google Calendar, no. But playing music with your friends. Yeah. During COVID, to me, that seems like uh, the best possible thing. Yeah, it'll be good. I I haven't done it yet. I did like one recording. Have you? I mean, you've been doing some stuff. A little bit. Things have kind of come back a little bit. Yeah, I've been trying to. It's good. You, uh, Tim, you inspired a question um, on some previous. I was talking to Tim super early in COVID, and you were. I remember you being like, "If I just do these three things every day, it's okay." Kind of works out. Yeah. And so I asked. 
other people on Secret Famous specifically. I was like, so what is it that makes you feel whole during uh, COVID? And you, that really affected me because then I had to think about it and I was trying to find my like set things. Like, okay, if I do yoga mm-hmm. and drink green tea, <laughs> you know, and like, and you said vocal exercises. Yeah. And that, your commitment to singing is so impressive. We're, what is your third thing? Well, mine was very liquid. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying your things. I was trying everybody else's things. Tim had like three things. And I was like, that is so, I need three things. Yeah. I think, I think yoga is one that really helps. I think reading books mm-hmm. really helped me. It gets out of your head. Yeah. Gets quicker you out of your than head. anything. Yeah. Yeah. I was just in. If it feels better than just watching a ton of like TV, it's which too I'm, passive, I think. Yeah. Watching TV during at least during this shit, I, for at least for the first three or four months, I couldn't really watch anything. It's just like gotta, <laughs> something, <laughs> you know. Um, but reading is like you're actively reading, so yeah. If it, like my engaged. brain feels better afterwards, yeah. probably like yoga, your body feels better, I guess, and. Uh, I think I told you I was trying to transcribe a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. And I think, personally, for me, probably, I, I, I still so identify as a guitar player so that if I'm regularly playing guitar, I still feel like I have like something I can do to help society. No, I <laughs> know, know what you mean. Like, I guess I just play guitar. So that if I had to pick a third, it would be guitar. That's good. I, I mean, I get that. There'll be times with... Uh, where I mean, I would go weeks without playing bass, and then pick it up. And be like, oh right, like I'm not just fucking a complete idiot. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I keep cursing. Uh, um, it's this Gatorade. Um, no, I made you so aware of it. No, I- uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's good to remind yourself, especially in these times that like, no, I've worked really hard at something. Like I know how to do this. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, so yeah, I mean, f- for me, I was singing. Uh, I would do like journaling a lot and exercise of some kind, yoga or you know, I'm sure surfing has been a big one for you mm. over the summer. Oh yeah, and same for me. I mean, I was trying to do as much as possible, but some kind of exercise every day. So like mental, physical, and then something creative. And that is good. Do so when when Jim. Jim, that's my brother. Tim says <laughs> journaling. You're speaking specifically of the artist's way and the morning pages, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. The like three page, almost 30 minute stream of consciousness. Just, you know, it's just whatever's kind of in your head. And it's a real good way to get rid of all the just vomit, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I found for me, feels almost like therapy we're just like ah everything sucks and i don't know and they're like oh you know it's not so bad okay hey i'm gonna go you know like i kind of would always have it would start with this like uh, i don't know what i'm doing and like oh maybe i'll do this and all right i'm gonna go to the store okay hey you know like um just gets out some of that cr- crud yeah crap i don't know works for me do you do it longhand too yeah i do think you- that's really important and do you because it's like oh, away from a screen yes, right yes, yeah yeah and do you do it in, you do it first thing in the morning? Yeah. Or, like, or attempt to? Yeah, like I'll make coffee and I don't do it every day lately, but during the first three or four months of uh, COVID, I did 
Um, yeah, I try to like make a coffee, kind of get situated, and then then usually do it first thing. And it kind of sets me up for the rest of the day to be like gratitude. Yeah, gratitude Maybe for sure. Thankful. Yeah. Yeah, and um, some structure. I've done a thing. A thing has been completed. Now I can do more things. You know? Yeah. Like whereas sometimes I, I feel overwhelmed. Like oh, there's too many things, and then, and then I just don't do anything. So that that starting with the journaling thing just kind of gets me locked into the idea of like I'm, I'm getting some stuff done, and I'm getting, uh, and even if I don't do anything else, at least I've done something. Do you find <clears throat> that if you don't do it for a little while? And you come to it, it's harder to maybe unclog that channel. This is a, is that a thing? Um, or can you always just sit down and be like, what, three pages? No problem, done. Like, or it, I will always commit to the three pages. Yeah. If I sit down to do it, I'm going to do it. Um, but yeah, sometimes it's easier than others for sure. It's kind of like meditating, and because um, I'll get into phases where I'm doing that a lot, and then I'll get out of it. You know, it's like most people you're like it's the most probably the best thing you could do for yourself but it's the last thing you do of course yeah and um so sometimes i get out of it and i'll try and sit back and then it's like oh god i just want to move or whatever um so i find that a little bit more difficult but like you know you get a cup of coffee the coffee's there it's a lot easier yeah but i but i've tried to do it now when i feel like i need to i don't i'm not like doing it every day yeah interesting and that, and that, none of that necessarily relates to your songwriting. Like, well, it kind of does. Relates, but you never like go back and be like, "These are the lyrics," or, "Oh, like from the journaling." From the journaling? No, no, no they're I two separate spheres. Yeah, but yeah. I've never, I've never really looked back at any of the journals, because mm. um, it's <laughs> really boring. <laughs> you really let it be a free stream of yeah, conscious. Yeah, totally. Thing. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's. I mean, a lot of times it just turns into like what I have to do that day, you know. Your to-do list. Yeah, you know, like, kind of. Gotta which, go to the goddamn post office. Yeah, oh my god. Okay, oh, that's, that's, that's Jeff's birthday. Okay, gotta call. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, if no, if for your listeners, if mm. they have uh, not checked out the Artist Way, Julia Cameron book, it's great. And um, there's some exercise. It's a 12-week thing. It's a book, and each week has like an exercise and some of it can feel kind of silly or corny, but it, it is effective. And that really, when I started writing songs, I was doing that. And I found that to be a good way to just make stuff mm. because I think a lot of times as artists, you're talking about the whole artist way program specifically too, yeah. not specifically journey, like the whole, right. the whole thing, the whole book. Yeah. yeah. Because that is, the morning pages you're supposed to do every day during the 12 week thing. And I did. And then there'll be stuff where it's like making like a collage or something like that, which, uh, you know, I might've phoned in the collage. I'll be honest, but, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but there, but you know, doing the 12 weeks and it really teaches you about the process of creating Mm -hmm. and how to get out of your own way. And I found it really helpful because for me, I was so judgmental about my own work, you know, and just as anything I made early on, I just thought anyone I could think of hearing it, just be like, oh, this is bad, man. You know, just like the 
guy who works at the deli making fun of me. You know, and like, <laughs> why do I care? Why do I care what this guy thinks? And it's not even done yet. Like, I'm already imagining it being released and like being panned or something. You're like, it's not even done. Get out of your own way. And yeah. learning that lesson, and I have to remind myself this when I'm writing, no judgment. Just let it happen. Just let the soul let, write. Just itself, let yeah. it let it come and let it don't be like oh i can't do that because it sounds like this oh i can't do that because it reminds me of this person just let it come out and then you can edit later if you really want to but getting out of your way is huge and um that was a big thing i took from the book and writing songs yeah yeah i and i was speaking of you uh about how you might be the only person though that i know who has Besides phoning in the collage, you like you were like twelve <laughs> weeks in. So I remember we were hanging out one time, and you were like, I'm "Not doing news." I'm like, "You're not doing news," and you're like, "I'm doing the artist way again." And I was like, "Discipline. The man has discipline." So <laughs> I did it twice. You did it twice, yeah. and yeah, that's and great because I get into like week three, and I'm like, "Oh fuck this!" Like, fair. I mean, it, it, I like the journaling though. Yeah, the, I, I personally that, use that a lot as that's well. That's the best that's the best thing to take away from it i mean i don't honestly remember much else but it's like anything where you read there'll be a line or a couple or paragraph in there that you read and it's it's like some great text like buddhist text and you read and you're like oh yeah damn that's that's right on yeah so i found it good for that and you know just like being kind to yourself i mean i feel like that kind of ties into the Buddhism thing too but just I I found it to be helpful and if you can I would say for anyone who is thinking about it if like if you are disciplined and do it 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 will do some stuff for you it'll open up some things it's like join my cult uh, as well (laughs) (laughs) no no I I, I'm gonna do it in January that's good oh by the way I I'm not doing sober September but I decided to do sober social media September really yeah no social media this September yeah well I started late but I'm gonna try at least do it to the end of the month and then maybe keep going because I was thinking about I was talking to you when we were surfing and And I did not mean to give you a complex no 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 it because it wasn't um because I admitted that at this I usually do a couple months two or three months a year I don't drink and just can't do it right now <laughs> and so i was like well what what is something that is negatively affecting me at this moment and i was like oh, i'd rather i'd rather keep drinking some beers and not look at social media not like there's some higher power that's like you can't have both but i just feel like yeah i'm gonna try this and so I, yeah i've been doing social sober September or something. <laughs> that sounds and this is maybe a sad commentary on my life, but that sounds like harder than not drinking. Because yeah. So you did you delete the apps from yeah, your just phone? Deleted the, the apps, yeah. That would have to and be blocked Facebook from my phone. So I can't even like check it on the the browser. I can't even see you as like a dude who's obsessively on social media. Like I feel like you have a healthy relationship. Well, do you fall in Twitter holes about the I, debates or not so much? I it's just instinctual. I just noticed that thing where you like uh, I have one second 
of time, I'll look at Instagram. Oh, nothing's happened. <laughs> you re- put, refresh it in yeah. one new picture. Yeah, like, yeah. that's sick. Um, You're like, oh, what a loser. Did you watch that Social Dilemma documentary? <sighs> no, but the computer is telling me to. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The computer's telling you that... It's told me twice to watch it, yeah, on uh, Netflix. Yeah. Um, did you watch it? I did. I yeah. think that, that was kind of what spurred it. Because it's, it's a little freaky, man. But this is nothing new. It's not like... No, it's not like shocking. But yeah, probably, it's not shocking at all. Probably getting it in a dose that's so concentrated like that. Because we know... You know... I have, I have time suck under my social media things. And I still just click it. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, uh, and not like I'm using that time for anything valuable. I'm not doing anything cool or interesting with it. But just trying to... Just take a little, you know... Take more moments to just sit, you know, sit in silence or whatever it may be. I don't yeah, because it's so good for your brain. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And um, you know, the things like ten minutes. Where the fuck? Where did that go? Fifteen minutes. Like checking. I'm driving and like at a stoplight. Like I'll check. Like you know, it's crazy. So stupid. It's so stupid. I know. It's oh, bro. <clears throat> well, okay, to put uh, to put this story into perspective, like two years ago, no, it would be three years ago now, Tim. Um, I remember Tim and I are at Rockaway Beach right now, and I was meeting Tim to go surfing. I was super fucking hungover, dude. And I remember <laughs> coming in and just being saying to you, I was like, oh, it was a li- I was a little hungover to go out there. And you were like, huh, it sucks. I've been sober all month. I was like, you've been sober all month? You, because you don't talk about it. You're so low key, and then so that is what prompted me to go sober October, three years ago, and then it was such a profound thing to realize how easy it is to not drink. And I know that sounds like an alcoholic thing to say. Well, yeah. I mean, it depends. For some people, it's really hard, Um, but I think it's you realize someone that's not a addicted to it that you don't need it yeah you know you you you're like how am i gonna go to this show and not get a beer and then you do it and you're like oh and then you, you get bored quicker and you go home at a reasonable time and you're like oh all right i feel great like you feel great the yeah. next day yeah um but i mean drinking is fun so no drinking is super fun and i will say that i did <laughs> have a beer on friday because it was like rachel was did her first week of school and I was like I'm gonna have a beer with her as a celebratory beer but I I've been pretty committed to the yeah did it feel I've noticed whenever I have a beer after not drinking for a bit that first beer I'm like whoa this is what this does to me <laughs> this is crazy I can't believe I, you know and then I have a second beer I'm like oh this is fine it's oh, just like it's like totally it's, normal yeah. yeah totally switches off my tolerance goes from that first beer, I'm like, whoa, I think I'm drunk. To the second beer, I'm like, oh, yeah. No, I know I know exactly what to do yeah. right here. <laughs> this is good. This is where I want to be. It's, uh, that is a really good one. I, pre-COVID, was trying to take every Sunday off of screens. Oh, like completely. No screens. Yeah, just no, like. No TV either? Trying for no TV. That's great. Because Sunday's a good TV day, generally. Oh, it's great TV. Yeah. Premium HBO. Especially now that it's like football season, too. I love just sitting around and watching football. Yeah. 
Um, and I remember then COVID starting and the f- Sunday came and I was like, this is like literally my gateway to the whole world. I can't turn, like literally work, work. I couldn't even turn it off because of work, you know what I mean? And so like, I miss that because I felt just in the same sense that taking a month off from drinking makes it easier the whole rest of the year to like be like, oh, you know what? I, I don't think I'm going to have 17 beers tonight. You know, I can have one. You know what I mean? 17. I felt the, a similar, uh, you know, like throughout the week, it like made me realize how much I was not missing on yeah. social media. And I bet you now that you're into this you probably are like, I've missed fucking nothing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I've noticed that, um, I mean, like, sometimes, like, if you're, I mean, this is years back, but, like, being on tour and you don't have, you know, this is, like, pretty smartphones, so you're not, like, checking that shit all the time. And uh, you just log into Facebook or your email somewhere, like, every four days, and you're like, there's nothing new here. There's nothing exciting. I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go back to the world and enjoy that. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I. I mean, it's cool. I, the social media thing. People are, do really interesting, cool stuff on it. I just. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> no, I. It's, it's hard in our quote unquote business of being a, independent musician too to like. How do you promote casual yeah, mail? Or exactly. Like, how do you... Maybe... I don't know. I don't know either. And that is a big reason why I have it. And I guess a lot of musicians do. It's like, yeah, I don't... Otherwise... And I really just use it to promote the casual mail stuff. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. Take a little break. Good. Good for you. That's <laughs> good. I like that. I, I think that's smart. Dang. All right. Thanks, man. Yeah, no, I, I've learned a lot. I, I would be remiss to not mention that uh, a couple, three years ago, prior to that September, as I had just alluded to, I, I called Tim, and I was like, "All right, teach me how to surf." <laughs> <laughs> was it really three years ago? It was. This is my. Th- I'm entering into my third. Wow, year. I can't believe that. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Still how much I suck ass? Well. Tim and I just surfed and I couldn't catch a fucking wave today. Anyway. Well, it's not easy today. And um, and you don't suck. Uh, I was like a proud father the other day when we were out at <laughs> 72nd or whatever. Saw you catching some nice waves. I was like, my heart swelled. <laughs> it's my boy. I don't... Taught him everything I know. <laughs> I feel like I was trying to think of the analogy uh, for music thing. It's like I feel like I'm your high school guitar teacher who like teaches at the local music store. Like I got like maybe even before that, like your first guitar teacher, <laughs> showing you like a few riffs, <laughs> showing you a couple things. Yeah. And now you're going off into the Just world. Just doing your own thing. You're, you're studying with someone new, you know, and like they're showing you. They're showing you the the jazz chords you want to learn and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, no, no, hey, listen, I know, open E, open A, and we're going to go from there. Uh, you now, you know, this is what I, this is what I can teach you. That's how I feel. Now you got it. Oh. You, I, I mean, you, dude, Tim, oh man, I mean, 
And I told Tim going into this, I was like, all right, dude, I'm not going to talk about surfing the whole time. Because I <laughs> barraged him all day with texts of surfing news and forward him every stupid Instagram thing I think is cool. Because I know Tim will be like, oh, that was cool. Like, <laughs> just surf fever, dude. So oh. thank publicly, I want to thank you for putting up with... Uh, oh, man. you I, I've told you, you know more about surfing than I do at this point. It's like, <clears throat> it's impressive. You absorb, you absorb the information. Well, there's so much information on the internet to sit around and obsess about. I didn't have this yeah. as a... When did you start surfing? 13-ish? Uh, 12? Yeah, 12, 11, around there. I mean, my dad surfed his whole life, and he got me and my... He, you know, he would take me and my brother out, and I think I was probably 12 when I like really was like, oh, I, re I like this. And I was very stubborn for many, many years where I'd be like, wanted to surf little boards and all the stuff. My dad would be like, try this long board. It's going to be really fun. I'd be like, no, I don't want to. And he'd be like, okay. And then he'd like take off on a wave. And like, <laughs> same with my brother who's a bit older. Just be like, hey, man, you're going to have more fun on this. And I'd be like, no. And then they would just shred and I'd sit there. Um, but yeah, I started when I was 12. And I mean, you know, I didn't grow up at the beach, so it wasn't like I got to go all the time. But as someone who's done it since they were 12. Yeah. I suck. You know, it's like. That's it, absolutely not true. I, but it, I it's will like not let for that how, go on record. For how long consistently I, one of the best surfers in the lineup. Well, how, you know, it's like how long I've done it. You know what I mean? It's like, so you've been doing it three years and you're, you're doing great. It's, it's, a, it's a big learning curve. So was this. Gonna really try not to fall into a surf hole, but <laughs> you were probably I. I've heard other people like because it was just like Kelly Slater was God, and you have to surf the smallest board. Is that what it was like? No, dude, I'm not riding your lame longboard, old man. Um, I'm going to shred. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Honestly. You were a kid. Yeah, I yeah, was I just a kid, and just a kid, yeah. I think it was just like didn't want to do anything my parents said yeah. would make sense, and I and I. Real and I, I think the big thing was I wanted my own thing. Like I wanted yeah. my own board. I didn't want to use my dad's board. I don't want to use my brother. I was like, I want my own board. And like I was tiny, you know, as a twelve to sixteen, I was like five two. Really? I was very You're I was like smallest kid in school for a long time. And so Tim is like six four or something? Six six two. Six, six two. two. All right, well, well, you thanks, feel yeah. like six four. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, since I'm six three, yeah, uh, I figured yeah. you're six four. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Just, just an inch taller. It's uh, my football stats. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is that your Madden like create yeah, your own player? Like, like, like you know, uh you're listed as yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. Do they usually list them shorter than they actually are or taller than they actually are? I thought it was always like so I think it could be different for certain players. But sure. like like Russell Wilson is like listed at six, but he's really like five ten or something. I remember because like Iverson, they would list as like six two, but he's really six foot, I think. Yeah, or he's something like five eleven. Like, maybe five right? eleven. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Maybe um, basketball does make sense to list a little taller. Right. Yeah. I just. Yeah. It's a funny thing. Like, yeah, well, this guy. Oh, he's six foot. Now we gotta get him. <laughs> Who cares about how well he throws the ball? <laughs> He's six foot now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so I know it is important. You were a tiny sixteen-year-old, and then you just shot up. No, I never even shot. It was I didn't even get the, the glory of the the quick sh shoot. It was a very slow uh, process of getting taller. So by probably my sophomore year of college, I was at my actual height. 
So that's just interesting. Yeah. yeah, nothing. So, well, you, but you grew into your body like later. You're probably I, like, I probably like, what um, the hell? probably now I've grown into my body. Yeah. Thirty six. <laughs> Thirty six. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I feel comfortable. This feels okay. Now it's just going down the other way. <laughs> just not, now, it's slope. Yeah, that, I hit it maybe today, and now it's just. <laughs> The slow decline. Yeah, slow decline. Yeah, I'm definitely now I'm on the back end uh, of the decline. But, yeah, I mean, but the board thing, I just, I don't know. I don't know why. I regret not listening to them because I'd be much better now. Um, Well, when did you embrace the longboard then? When you got your, Tim's had different phases of surfing. Yeah, you have like a. I I guess not to, um, honestly, surfing here a lot because, you know, as you know, it's not consistent, and longboard is just f- more fun most of the time. You know, whatever. Yes. 80% of the time. At this particular wave. At yeah. this wave. So I got the Takayama, the Big Donald, um, probably like 10 years ago. And because I was surfing that GNS, and that was its great board, but got that Takayama. was just like, oh, this is so f- just fun. So fun. And then, uh, I don't know, in the, I guess the last year or so, I've started wanting to ride shorter boards, and that's been really fun, too. Yeah, Different maybe thing. that's your COVID silver lining, is that, like, you're like, <laughs> I mean, I get my shortboard game together. I, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, I mean, I feel this way, and I'm sure you feel this way, of, like, during this whole thing, I've been surfing all the time. All the time. And... I mean, talking to friends and like haven't left their, you know, early on, like I haven't left my apartment in two months. I'm like, like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I went to the beach today and went surfing. They're like, well, Jesus, okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're like, I'm washing vegetables in my tub and you went surfing. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it's probably not out in the ocean. Um, there's no COVID in the ocean. There's I've no COVID that. in the ocean. No, there's no recorded porpoise with COVID. It's not happening. But man, so yeah, I feel very lucky. It's just, as you know, the best. It is the best. And I, yeah, I can't thank you enough for my guidance. Yeah. Well, we're in your childhood. So you grew up outside of, in a suburb of Philadelphia in New Jersey. Correct. Yeah. Like two minutes from Philadelphia. And when did you kind of discover then music? Around the same time as surfing, I guess, 12. I got, that's when I got a bass. I, my first instrument is trumpet. Um, and I was terrible. Mm. My trumpet teacher from elementary school later commented, it's really impressive that you're a professional musician because you were the world's worst trumpet player. (laughs) (laughs) They told you that after the fact? Down the road, down the road. Like when I was like an an adult. Um, Your elementary school band director. Yeah. That is amazing that they even just told you that yeah well yeah it got uh i mean i guess i got it secondhand from my high school band director who is a very who is a very good friend and uh he was like yeah mr trent would be like it's amazing you're playing music professionally because you were such a bad trumpet player world's (laughs) world's worst trumpet player and i was bad i hated it this is like fourth grade fourth grade yeah you pick your instrument and and it sucks yeah trumpets i mean trumpets it's a hard, hard it's dude. a hard instrument and chops and, chops and, and um metal. you have a dog you know you can't practice dog would freak out yeah and yeah. uh i wanted to quit after my the first year and my parents were like just keep going it'll get you'll you'll hit a plateau 
and then you'll have these plateaus. And it'll just keep doing like this. So like, okay, so I kept going through fifth and sixth grade, but I was terrible. And then with seventh grade, I wasn't going to do music. And then I started playing bass that summer. And the band directors in my, it was seventh through 12, so like seven, eight was junior high, and then nine through 12, high school, I guess that's how it is everywhere. Uh, but the seventh grade band director was like, you play bass, cool. Like, you can just play bass in the, the concert band. Mm. So they just let me play electric bass and gave me like two of music. So I learned to play that. And then when I went to high school, same thing, the band director was like, I don't care. Like, it's a concert band, but you can just play electric bass in it. So they just kind of made a space for me to play. And if they hadn't done that, I would not have gone down the path of music. Because I was, I didn't know what I was going to do. So uh, That is fascinating. But wait, wait, wait. Why bass? Did someone in your family, did you have a well, friend? Like, there's always a weird impetus to why bass well, it's, it, steps into someone's life. You know? <laughs> yeah. You, no one chooses the bass. <laughs> the bass chooses you, Bass chooses you. you. Yeah. Um, well, my dad and brother both play guitar, so maybe it's the same sh- thing with like the surfboard, you know. They're both on longboards. They both on longboards. They both play <laughs> yeah. electric guitar, and I needed something. And I think my parents recognized that I needed something that was my own. Yeah. And they got me a bass on my twelfth birthday from a guy that my dad took guitar lessons with. His name was Dave the Rave. Dave the Rave. Yeah kind of a South Jersey legend. And it was a trash picked P base copy and it was covered in paint. It was a red, like P base style with like covered in white paint and chipped all over. And the (laughs) nut (laughs) was an old nail that had grooves cut into it for the strings (laughs) to sit. It was literally a nail. Uh, and we called it the beast. The beast. Yeah. And so I had the beast from Dave the rave for about like six months. And that was like my first bass. And, uh, it was all, I mean, it was so ridiculous. Did you have an amp too? My dad had, oh, you had guitar players. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They had like a little PV, um, guitar amp that I would play through. Yeah. Yeah. And then eventually I got like a little heart key that I still have. Like Ooh. the kickback, 12 inch kickback. Mm-hmm. Still mm-hmm. have it. Um, but yeah, they, uh, I got it for my 12th birthday and that just kind of was, that was kind of it. Love at first thump, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was just really excited to find a thing that was my own. Yeah. You know, cause my brother was four years older and he was just play- shredding guitar. Yeah. He's really, he's You're like, God damn it. He's a really good guitar player. So I don't want to do that. Um, so yeah, that was cool. And then. I think it was all timing and things, you know, like they they let me play in the band and then they'd be like, oh, you're like picking this up quicker than you were the trumpet or whatever. <laughs> you know, uh, That's good. That's yeah, a good right, thing. That's a good thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, those things kind of feed into each other. You get excited and then you get positive reinforcement. And then this is how I def- identify myself now. This yeah. is the thing I do. And, uh, that's kind of where I went from there. In seventh or eighth grade, did you have a garage band with some friends? Did that kind of come? I didn't join a band till Dirty Larry. Oh, and Dirty Larry was your first band? First band. And that was until my junior year of high school. And weirdly enough, people in my high school didn't really, there weren't many bands. There was a few like punk bands, um, but there weren't, there weren't a lot of bands, even though a lot of people played instruments. 
Um, but a kid, a trumpet player from my high school went on a like, um, overseas summer thing. And he met these kids from a neighboring high school and he passed me in the hall one day. He's like, Hey, do you want to join a band? They need a bass player. I was like, yeah, yeah. You know? And so I went and joined this band called uh, dirty Larry. It was these kids in Haddon Heights town over and the dude, Josh picked me up in his car and he had like bleached hair and like all these spikes and all his clothes and patches and all this stuff. And I was like, Oh my God, this is so different than anything I know. And started playing with these guys and it was kind of like a pop punk band Mm -hmm. and they were like suburban punk kids and it was so fun. And the the guy who got me to the band quickly left because he didn't vibe with them, but they didn't, they didn't drink or anything. And I didn't drink in high school and they just loved having fun. They loved like playing pranks, like very innocent pranks, like, you know, putting bubbles in the fountain uh, in, in town square and like just like doing stupid crap and like going into the dumpsters at Toys R Us uh, trying to find toys which some of them did and then got arrested uh, for <laughs> trespassing <laughs> uh, but yeah so that was my first band and I did it for six years you know whoa yeah all through college all through college we like really when there was different band members it grew it got smaller it grew well, we were, you know, by the end, we were basically like a prog, a, like politically uh, active prog rock ska band. So audience of zero, you know, those Venn diagrams aren't lining up over each other. You know, people are like, I love politics and prog rock and ska. This is the band for me. Yeah. You know, like, you couldn't find that audience. Looking back, I don't know what went wrong. Uh, but it was very, very fun. I'm still good friends with all those that's guys. all still yeah. your homies I bet. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it was such a fun fun time so when did the upright bass being that you i believe correct me if i'm wrong were a upright major in, yeah like you have a four-year degree in yeah i know upright bass right yeah yeah you're right At uh, a heavy se- jazz school senior year of high school <clears throat> i got an upright my high school teacher and i went to new york to david gage and picked out like a czech plywood uh upright and that year I like really heavily practice like I, looking back it's ridiculous but I had done pretty much all the prerequisites for high school by my senior year mm-hmm. so my senior year I only had to take three classes so the rest of the day I just practiced so every day I brought my upright to school and just practiced all day and then we'd go to like the classes gym whatever you had to do and then practice a little bit after school take it home I mean I just practice all day to learn the upright to learn upright in the jazz style like walking bass line not yeah. the well, or did you do the yeah I did that did too the German or French style French, or something French bow yeah French bow yes yeah, yes that's bass talk yeah that's that's do like you German, do you yeah. do French yes um, yeah and then I don't know and then I went to school for it and played a lot of upright so that means if you got it your senior year did you audition instantaneously I mean I think the auditions were in March maybe or so ah, I had like, okay. I had like a window. So I remember, uh, I mean, yeah, like it was a quick progression. Cause sounds I mean, I, it. Cause I already, you know, played a lot of electric and red music. <laughs> I could say bass clef. <laughs> One <laughs> note at a time, please. <laughs> this piano stuff. Um, and got through that kind of quickly and then got the upright and just 
progressed quickly enough because I had the knowledge, just had to transfer it to the upright, which, you know, if anyone's ever played it, it's a whole other thing, but it... Whole other world, dude. But kind of had the... the uh, and I had a good teacher. And so, like, auditioned. I was very happy, like, I got into it. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> Bob's furniture truck is the... Representing the sound of the upright bass in the yeah. uh, scoring about, of Tim's story. Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Arr, 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 arr. Yeah, that kind of sounds like it. <laughs> that, when I play with a bow, that's my Arco sound. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. I just like went all in and like auditioned for college in February, March, and that that's all I did until that point. And then when I, I got, guess so. You yeah. must have. Yeah, you went like you you were in. I was in. I was very in, which is. <laughs> It's funny. You're like, I have to learn how to play the upright bass. People are like, what? <laughs> people, are, <laughs> people in high school are like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? What? Yeah. Do you? Don't you just want to go to college and say like, like psychology? Yeah. Don't, don't you want to like meet girls? Like, no. I want to learn the Phrygian scale. On you the- were always a disciplined dude then looking back. Yeah. You're like, no S- drinking, upright bass. Somewhat. Stay out of my way. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I've early on kind of fell into the uh, the like I always say like samurai mythology of you're like I'm dedicated to this thing I'm like yeah. gonna give everything I have to this thing thinking that would make everything great and uh, it didn't quite work that way also I just you know I'm like fine I'm like okay I just like never got to that level of mastery that I was hoping to do on the upright well, you know which is again Totally okay. Totally okay. Yeah. Totally fine with that. Living a much more enjoyable life now, I think. Oh, just seeing the outside set there. Big guy. See that? Is that a boat or a wave? That was a wave. That was, that was a little teddy rat. Oh, there's, w- not, there's another one coming. See that? Yes, I did see it. Tim and I were out there, and I got fucking worked today, dude. <laughs> On some... It was a lot of... It was... Those big outside sets were, were, were coming to mow you down. Yeah. yeah. They were just yeah. like. Nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. I really am into board control and not bailing my board. And I looked at this fucking wave and I was like, I have no option but to bail my board. And I still got worked. I got like spun, dude. I, I got spun. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> I was just like, whoa. Yeah. Man, it's. You're so, like you're like I'm gonna die, and then five minutes later, you're like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah, no, it was. I was came up laughing because it was comical. Um, so dirty. I didn't. That's cool that you had such a strong band thing. Yeah, it was like. Honestly, I feel Did like. Did you guys tour? We tried a little bit, or you, yeah. you know, like I don't know if you had. You were this. very young, so yeah, it was we like were very young. You putting all the pieces together oh, at twenty would be next, really hard. Yeah. Next to impossible. We tried. Yeah. We did a couple, but. We didn't, I mean, had literally no idea how it worked. You know, like, how do you book a tour? How do you get gigs? How, you know. Yeah, it all, takes like years to figure that all out. Yeah, and uh, and we tried. We really did. And we just we just weren't able to, it was, it was too hard, that leap. I think for what we did do for the band, it was really impressive. Like, we played big, we played like the, the TLA and the truck in Philadelphia, like under our own name at some points. And like, you know, for like a local, yeah, it was, it was great. And 
you know, the room was just filled with friends and stuff, but like... It must have been awesome. It was yeah. great. You know, like, yeah, some of those... Is that like a four or 500 seat room? Yeah, maybe maybe less than that. Maybe 350 or something. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, again, at the time, felt like the biggest thing in the world. Well, especially at that... It's so if you were like 20 to 22, that's when everybody comes out. Yeah, I always exactly. tell young yeah, yeah, students, do it now. I was like, go and keep your show going because see all these people here? Yeah. Guess what? In seven years, they're all going to have babies yeah. and houses. They're gone. They're gone. They're You're gone. losing all of these people. Yeah. The cool kids will still be here, but like 90% of these people are the gone. The people that yeah. are going to buy buy the ticket and buy the stuff, you got five. They're here now. Yeah. You got five, five years. years. Yeah. You got about five years. And then. Yeah. It, it was. But man, we would do these shows in church basements when we were in high school. I found a flyer recently for one of them, and it was $2 to get in. And we would, there'd be like 300 kids in these church basements. And I mean, those, those shows were like some of the most fun I've ever played. It's just, bet, you know, yeah. like you're 17 or six, I guess I was 16 when I started, 16, 17. And you're just, just sea of people. And you're like playing fast punk ska yeah. stuff. And, it, and, and yeah, we like had a little bit of a fan base and a following and it was really, really fun. Um, so I was, yeah really fell in love with being in a band and I think that solidified my I feel like that was the first time I really felt like I belonged in a place you know Mm -hmm. it's like these are these are my friends these are my brothers and it just feels right I don't know like music became that thing for me which I'm sure a lot of people can relate to yeah yeah, that, that one moment where you're like, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. This yeah, is my job. Yeah, it's just like it feels right. You know, like I feel I feel like it's it's big big groups scare me. So like, you know, to be able to be like in this tight-knit thing, so deep. It's really cool. From this high then, Tim, can we pivot to, and this was Tim's idea, Worst gig stories. Dun dun dun. Um, <laughs> I was like, I feel like this is something I should ask everybody. This is going to become a new segment. This should I think, be, of yeah. This famous. should be like, your like, your name like, your worst worst gig. worst gig. Well, you, there's too many to choose. You just, I just saw him pan through like ten in his head. <laughs> ching, 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 I got ching. a lot. Um, saddest gig. Well, there's worst gig. I played a dog's birthday one time. <laughs> <laughs> And the guitar player got wasted at the dog's birthday. Yeah. And just at the end, he's like, shirt is ripped open. <laughs> and he's like, got like six Coronas next to him, just wailing in these people's apartment <laughs> for a dog's birthday. That was an interesting gig. This is like a New York gig. No, this is, this is this Philly. This is in Philly. Okay. Yeah. okay. Uh, a shirtless guitar player. I mean, he, like, I would, like, this image in my mind of looking <laughs> over at this dude, and he's just like, <laughs> like, shredding. Drunk, <laughs> sweating. It's a dog dog's birthday. birthday. <laughs> I didn't even know these people. You know, it's like a five-piece band. This guy's yeah. just like, this is it. <laughs> can't hold back, you know. Yeah. You know those guys? They just can't hold yeah. back. He couldn't like read the room. No, he was like, this yeah, yeah. My gig. Watch out, dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like, you know, like people are like, hey, help yourself to some food, and people are like, yeah, you got it. You know. Yeah. That was bad. But <clears throat> worst gig. And I feel pretty strongly about this worst gig. I, I would play with this guy in college. We do a lot of duo gigs, and they were mostly at country clubs. I've, I've probably told you this story. I, I do believe I'm familiar with this one. Yes. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> and is, so this is a rough gig. Yeah. It's a rough gig. So he calls me up and he says, "Hey man, I got a gig Thursday, five o'clock. I'll pick you up. Upright. You don't need an amp. Great. Just dress nice." So he picks me up. We're in the car. Where are we going? He's like, "Oh, it's out in like King of Prussia. Oh, cool. Is another country club? No, no. What is it?" Um, we're going to visit. It's a family friend's birthday. We're going to go just play for him for a little bit. Oh, okay. Where's the gig? Uh, it's at a hospital. <laughs> oh. In the hospital. <laughs> like, in his room? Yeah. Yeah, it's in his room. He's in the hospital. Man, I'm not, I don't know if I'm comfortable with this. <laughs> it's like, it's going to be great. He's a great guy. I've known him my whole life. It'll really cheer him up on his birthday in the hospital. Okay. God damn. So we go get to the hospital. We're walking in and I don't think I'm alone and like I don't like hospitals. I don't no, like No one likes hospitals. I don't like being there. No way. It it's you know, all you can think about is death. Uh and so we're walking through the halls. I'm like upright. I'm in like a khaki pants and this guy's walking with his guitar and his lamp and um people are like, "Oh, someone's getting a nice surprise today." And you're like, ah, you know, <laughs> And we walk through the corridors and we get to the end of this hallway and he's like, wait, wait here. So he goes and he like knocks on the door and he's like, Mr. Anderson. It's like, who, you know, hello. And he, he likes, he's like, and it's like, you know, Bob Dan's here. He's going to play some music for you. And, uh, and so, um, he like, the guy's like, Hey, come on over come in so i like get my base out of the case and like walk into this room and i walk into this hospital room and there's this man with his wife holding his hand and his son sitting next to him on the other side is this too dark no it's great it's great oh god life is dark man. life is dark yeah. fair um and so he's got a little cake a little birthday cake with a little candle on it and I'm just like, oh, my God, I, can't, I don't think I can do this. So it, this guy I'm playing with, he's like, hey, uh, Mr. Anderson, we're going to play some music for you today. Happy birthday. This is Tim. Like, hi. Uh, he's like, the guy's like, okay. So, like, we start playing. <laughs> and, like, instead of playing kind of solemn or, like, beautiful, just nice, slow, <laughs> you know, contemplative music. Yeah. He calls some like bebop tunes and he's like, okay, you know, like, and like, and just going for it again, going for it, different guy, going for it. And what the one of the problems was, he's calling like bebop, fast bebop tunes, like Donnelly. Yeah, it's like what that's one problem. Second problem is he didn't tune his guitar. Uh -oh. Or tuned to me. Uh oh. So we're not even in tune. You're not even in tune. Not that even in tune. already is. That's you're like, oh my god. And the third problem is, is, he's taking a lot of courses. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. He's going. He's oh going off. He's going yeah. off. And uh, then he'd be like, okay, like so. I'd be like, no, no, no. Let's play that. You know, play that. And then play like another song. I think we only played two songs. Yeah. And, and he ready took to, 16 courses on each. He took his, yeah, he was, he was going for it. And we were about to play a third song, and the, Mr. Anderson, like, kind of raised his hand, and his wife like, looked over, and she's like, what? what is it? 
kind of like kind of waves us off <laughs> and, and she goes mm, okay hey Dan I, I think that's enough music for today I'm like oh, okay thank you uh, happy birthday and he, and he says and I will never remember or never forget this for the rest of my life he says this may not mean much coming from a dying old man like me but you guys sound pretty good yeah. <laughs> pretty good pretty Oh my god! And um, so we left. Oh my god! And drove yeah. in silence home. You were just like, "What the fuck was that?" Yeah, and uh, I still took the seventy-five dollars for the gig. And um, of course, you know. And yeah, man. And it was just—I'll never forget it. And no, that's a strong memory. It's that a very is strong seared memory. into my memory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the and then uh, you know, not to make it even darker, but the. He passed away like a few days later. Oh. I mean, it was it was wild. With Bebop heads but, swirling in his... I mean, it could have been beautiful. It really could have. Yeah, it, it could have been beautiful, but... It could have been just... I don't know. A- anyway, that that's like one of my worst gigs. Yeah. I mean, I've had probably worse, but... Probably. You do that gig and you don't get the 75. <laughs> <laughs> or any cake. You know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my gosh, dude. Ugh. Mm. Yeah, worst gig stories. That's a good one. Um, let's few more questions. Yeah, yeah. I it's just uh, didn't mean to be rude, but no, not at all. Don't let me uh, look. I have to take a picture of you too. I wrote a oh. note to myself. I I'm the worst at the social media of this. <laughs> um, we're gonna play a game now, Tim, <clears throat> called Suck or Shred. Oh no! This is developed with uh, Pat Firth. And after our surf sessions without you, we um, we started judging other surfers, right? Oh. This is how it started. But it, but it is related to the musician. Okay. Kind of like Chaz's barrel or not, nah, right? Okay. Okay, so this is like a... Is it cool over, or not? Nah? Over, under, kind of overrated, yeah. underrated kind of thing? Yeah. Well, so is, was it suck or sh- shred or suck? Suck or shred, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> because, and I always... This it this is where music and surfing overlaps so hard because like as a guitar player or even as a bass player as any instrument you watch the other guy set up and you're like all right good haircut cool jeans yeah good gear really nice gear yeah wow wow that's a nice that's beautiful pedal board there yeah. <laughs> wow that's a boutique amp yeah <laughs> but then like they suck and you're yeah. like oh, no yep like that's like the ripped kid who comes out in the shortboard you're like dude you're not gonna he didn't catch a single wave right, yeah. he's getting pummeled on the paddle out you're like all right dude yeah yeah Yeah. whereas actually the day this is not clear at all but the first day i went out with the magic and i saw you and you put the leash plug in the leash rope and there was an old man out there he's the heavy set balding shitty wetsuit looked horrible on a tiny board and i was like no fucking way and he shredded everybody yeah i was just like what? It's the best. That's the best. Yeah. Yes. Because it's usually, as Tim and I have noticed, it's always the women who just sh- dominate the lineup at Rockaway. You're like, these are the best surfers out here. It's not usually the cool looking. Anyway, okay. So this is called Sucker Shred. Here's my first one for you. Pumpkin beer. Timely. Uh, suck. So- <laughs> <Yes>. Suck <laughs> for sure. Uh, I, right? I, there are some that are okay. I mean, which one? Do you? I mean, 
don't the know. The Southern Tier Pumpkin Pumpkin. It's the one Brian Colleen hit me to. And I like, oh, I I like that one's... one of it. I yeah, can have yeah, one yeah, yeah. once a year. Yeah, that, I agree. I'll Every year I'll have, I mean, once like a crisp autumn day, maybe I'll have one. But for the amount of it that gets made, even yesterday, I mean, I don't like pumpkin flavor stuff. Yesterday I bought a coffee and I was getting a treat, as I like to call them. And the girls at the counter were like, oh, we have this and this. And she was like, oh, I really like the pumpkin something. I was like, oh, no, not, not for me. She's like, what, you don't like pumpkin? It's like, no, not really. And she was kind of shocked. I was like, well, I'm not going to shame you, know you for like September. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to shame you for liking pumpkin, but it's not for me. So pumpkin beer, I'm going to have to go with suck. All right, follow up to that one then. <clears throat> How about IPAs? <laughs> this, I know I'm totally putting like a beer guy. Tim is like the original beer guy. Ah, uh, man. And I, I want to see where you stand on this one because I feel like I've had a development with you on this one. So, I mean, I, I can't. If it's just one of the two, for me personally, yeah, I'm gonna go suck. Yeah, but I appreciate the style and occasionally I, I do and I used to really like them and I think this is the case for a lot of people <clears throat> used to like them a lot and drink them but I it's just too much for me at this point um, but obviously it's a great beer a lot of people do it really well I feel <laughs> I, I have more respect for the IPA than I do the pumpkin beer if that makes any sense <laughs> like I think it's it's a great it's style like, it's like it, it, is it an American beer can we sort can of we, can we claim it? Or, yeah, I, don't I think know. so. I think we can. Like our, those hops. And it's not, you know, it's not does not originate in the U.S., but we certainly have turned it into like, you know, the kind of benchmark for a craft brewery in the United States. It's like if you don't have a good IPA, you, you just have to have a good one. You know? Like literally, every brewery has to have. You like just a have kill, to. Your make their brews are making and breaking themselves on there. Yeah, some people that's all they do. Like you know? Heady Topper, right? That it's right. Like that's the that. very very famous one, you know, or uh, Pliny the Elder or whatever. But uh, yeah, what, what's not, Brooklyn? Brooklyn doesn't really have a strong IPA game, right? No, it's not like really. The lager. They have uh, they have this the fire. Called, what's the one that's super strong? Fireproof or? Uh, they used to have one called Blast. The Blast. They stopped making it. They don't make the blast anymore. No, man, it was. I think it was trouble. It was like nine point eight. You were like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, that room. Like they served it at Brooklyn Bowl, <clears throat> and a friend who works over there said everyone they've ever kicked out of Brooklyn Bowl was drinking that beer. <laughs> <laughs> that does not surprise me. Just in no way does that surprise I me. I mean, yeah, that beer would take out anybody. It's a it's <clears throat> a mercenary. Yeah. yeah. So, Just, so yeah, like that. Yeah. I mean, you know this about me, is that. Pilsner. I mean, that's all I want. That's all. That's, that's all it. I want. That's yeah. all I ever want. And maybe, I mean, some kind of lager. But it's just, I've just found it to be, I mean, I discovered this on our, when we toured Germany together. Dude, prior to Germany, all I was drinking was IPA. No other beers even registered on my radar. Yeah. And then Germany completely just was like, there is only Pilsner. Yeah. And I was like, I agree now. I yeah. get it. I yeah. saw the light. Yeah. Me too. That was the one that solidified it for kind of forever for me. It's just, yeah. you know, we would <laughs> drink a lot of beer and... You could drink a million pills. Drink so many Pilsners and be okay. And they and I was always in the mood for one. Mm-hmm. Like, I've, 
kind of want one right now. You know? <laughs> it's like a sunny day. <clears throat> it is be perfect for pills. Um, so yeah, you know, and then I, I don't remember where it was, but when we first had an IPA, I remember. Um, I can't that? think of that town. But, but you know what I'm talking I can about? picture it, yes. Um, where we stayed at that, like, actually really nice hotel. Where you changed the bass strings. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, man, they had IPAs there. You bought some. Oh, I drank a bunch because I was like, oh, I'm tired of Pilsner. And that was the worst <laughs> hangover I had on that tour. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I was a human. And that, that was the day. That, that was it. That, that was, was it. I was like, The nope. nail in the coffin. That was it, man. That was it. I have one instance where I like an IPA. At eight. Late at night, and you're having one beer. It's yes. like 11 p.m. You just drove for like eight hours. Yes. And I want one beer. That's where I'm like, there's something quenching about it. I, I agree 100%. If I'm going to have During one, the day, it doesn't even appeal to me at all right no, now. No, no. It's like drinking like... Ruin my a, mouth like a for really, the day. Really, t- like, dark red wine right now. Just like real... <clears throat> a lot of tannins. No very oaky... Um, but I think you're right. I, I would agree with that. But I still, just for yeah, the overall, sake of... Yeah, overall, no, I agree. I, just for the sucks or shreds. And suck. just so people can tell and me I'm an idiot. No, I like a strong opinion on this, too. I, so even if you think 51, 49%, sure. you got you you to pick a you side. you got to pick a side. Okay, fair. This is a strong one, and I, and I am not trying to purposely set you up on this one, but I do think you've been at the beginning of this and have evolved with it. So, Sucker Shred, beer culture. <laughs> beer guys. Uh, beer, uh, uh, maybe it's better called beer guys, or, or beer culture. Well, you if it's choose. beer guys, sucks. <laughs> Instantly. <laughs> Instantly sucks? Instantly sucks. If it's beer culture, I will have to, because I owe a lot to beer culture. Yeah. Um, and... If you're specifically saying American craft beer culture, uh, if if that's what it is, yeah, I'm not as into that. But beer culture is like world culture, you know, and history of the world is tied into beer culture. Yeah. And um, I would be remiss to say that I don't enjoy that. I like the history of beer. I like, again, I like Pilsners. It's like that beer has been around for hundreds of years and... Um, you know, Czech Republic and Germany and like, and it is cool to travel and to go somewhere new and drink the local beer. And culturally, I really enjoy that. Like going to some country, they have one beer and it's just like, you drink it. Yeah, That's it. And, uh, that's the culture. So Mm -hmm. like in that sense, I think it's a really cool way to dive into a, a place's culture as far as the um so then should we even be particular to say american beer guys american beer guys it's a uh, uh, suck that's across the board yeah i gotta (laughs) did i say everything sucks no no i think i did um okay but you were giving beer culture a shred yeah beer culture gives a shred yeah for for world beer culture for sure I yeah. just don't like any... I like that's a nice clarification because yeah. they're very different. They're very different. And I have to... This is just like part of my personality. I don't like when anyone gets into anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> Too much. Yeah. yeah you know, I'm like the same way with surfing. I'm, I'm music. Like, I'm just like, okay. All right. All right, buddy. Let's relax. Not like, oh, you don't know the Cascade Hop? Yeah, exactly. What? Oh, no, this is the best IPA in the world. And you're like, who says who? 
you know, like this kind of no, this was rated the best by who? Who cares? By yeah, rate do you beer like it or whatever? Yeah, yeah, I can't even look at that. Can you get it right now? What do you have? Drink, you know, I worked with this woman, uh, this friend, Gabe Barry, who's like this, she's like a beer ambassador. She's this amazing woman, just like famous in the craft beer world. And that was always her line is like, you know, the best beer is the one you have in your hand right now. It's like this, this right now is the best beer you're going to have. That's probably the best answer. Yeah. That's and, and I like the, uh, the best surfer is the one having the most fun. Exactly. It's the same idea. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can, you can just get sucked up and into it so much and I, and I just don't have that kind of brain I'm just like oh, I, I learn a certain amount of a thing and I'm like okay yeah I think I get the idea but uh but I, mean, I feel like in a way you were you were uh at the beginning of it cause it wasn't like I don't know well, maybe I was too young but it wasn't like a thing and then oh I would have a Brooklyn that's the local close one of course I'll have that and then it was like yeah, it, it a ex- million breweries and a million dudes telling me what the best, and you're like, oh my god, dude, what? I, yeah. So I, did you find like I, that's, that's a brewery? They're like, oh, is this? How oh, is this slow brewed or whatever the fuck they say? Well, I, I, I mean, like, cause I would do tours at, and at the brewery, and um, I actually did enjoy doing it, but it got. I found again. I'm gonna use the analogy of the guitar teacher. It when it got past the like, here's some cool stuff I can show you. I'm going to teach you some things you may not know, like to teach those who may have no understanding of it, to give them some understanding was really cool, but to get into the like, you know, what PSI is our forced carbonation going in at? Like, <laughs> I don't know and I don't care. <laughs> you know, what cables do you use? <laughs> you know, yeah. those kinds of questions. I don't care. <laughs> like what surfboard leash do you use? You know, it's like, I don't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm, that's just me. Dude, I can, I just had, I'm laughing super hard too. Cause I could see you on this tour and I could see like the number of beer guys, like slowly, like you multiplying get, yeah, and getting then bigger and bigger. Yeah. And you were just sitting on the tour and you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm done giving the tour. Yeah. Actually, I can't handle these questions. Where do you source questions. your glass bottles from, man? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to open a brewery tomorrow? And like, you need it in, I, I don't know. I mean, like maybe you work in the glass business. Man, I sound like a jerk, but no, no, it's <laughs> it's not. It's a real answer to a, a question because, like, I just yeah, I had when it got that far. I that's when I kind of. But you do, you and Brian have brewed beer. Yeah, you know he, it at this deep, deep level. Sure, he he knows it deeper than me on that front. But I mean, I know the theoretical aspects of it. Um, I don't do it. And that was also the thing with homebrewing. I, and I like to do it with someone else. Like, I really liked doing it with Brian. And, but on these tours, people would always be like, hey, I'm a homebrewer and I'm doing this and this. And they would want, want information. And I'd be like, oh, man, I can't really help you with that kind of stuff. This, this is like a you know, large scale operation. And uh, I'm the tour guide, not the head brewer. And, um, and they'd be like, oh, do you homebrew? I'd be like, no, because I just take this. It's like they make it here and then so I, I drink it yeah, here. I drink yeah. it and take yeah. it you know like uh, it's interesting to see how the sausage is made and to do it but for me it's just like I just kind of want to drink the beer and, <laughs> you know I'd rather spend my time doing something else just you know yeah writing songs or whatever yeah no 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 I think it's interesting you've seen behind the curtain that's yeah. why I think yeah. I, I value your years at the Brooklyn Brewery last sucker shred 
Uh, this is particular for you. Old cars. Because I've only known Tim to have old Mercedes, particular. 90s. Was the first, was the first blueberry there a 80s? 84, yeah. Yeah. Um, and this one's a 96. Um, it may be unpopular, but I'm going to say sucks. <laughs> Like, I don't have old cars because I'm, like, crushing it, you know? <laughs> I wish, every, like, the AC doesn't work, you know? I They're cool. And but they look so cool. They do. and I and Dude, I, that Mercedes is so hot. I'm like, like, I'm driving this dorky I mean, Civic around. honestly, as far as the aesthetics go, old cars all the way. If I had, like, space to work on it, and um, I would love to do that, but... It's just like the practicality of the city. It just gets beat to hell. Yeah. Um, and things don't work. It's like whenever I'm in a new car, which is very rare, I'm like, wow, this feels great. You yeah, know, like, yeah. Like that car is hard to drive. and um, But, you know, I would love to have the space to, like, work on it and, like, have a few old cars and be able to, like, do that. I love the, the romant- romantic idea of that. Yeah. But I guess I'm just, it's like I'd love, I'd love to have a brand new car that works really well. That just turns on. Yeah, it and turns you on. Go the and AC like, works oh, and like, God, I gotta you know, the gas pedal. Burning oil. You know, in the 84 that I had, it was my dad's and then he gave it to my brother. Like all secondhand. My dad bought it in like 2000 and whatever. Um, this 84 that he gave to my brother and then I had it. And the first time I drove it, <laughs> the fucking gas pedal would get stuck. <laughs> and so I'm like driving down Bedford Avenue at like three o'clock when like all the Hasidic school buses are letting out and the gas pedal stuck as I'm going down a hill. I'm like holding the brake with my other foot. It's just like, you know, RPMs just, and the flashers didn't work. So it was manually like hitting the flashers <laughs> as I'm like trying to pull over and like the car's trying to go. Eventually just like thought that the mat got stuck and ripped that out. And then it still looks, you know, going down. And then I finally pull the, gas pedal back on like oh my god I called my dad and I was like dad dude just drowned the bends and like going down a hill and the pedal got stuck he's like oh yeah just kick it out and I called my brother and said the same thing dude yeah just kick it out what's wrong with you you know just kick out the gas kick pedal? out the gas pedal when it gets stuck thanks not, for the heads up yeah no heads up but that I mean you know and <laughs> there was one trip we did where we went out to Montauk and it was really fun, but we drove the 84 out, and, you know, we're driving through the Hamptons. Everyone's got a brand new Mercedes. Dope and I, cars, right? And I would be, like, honking and waving, like, yeah, dude, Mercedes Club, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Surfboards on the top, bikes in the back. And it got to a point where we are driving back and wanted to stop for, like, one more surf. And, like, we stopped into this place, this beach. It was, like, a private beach. You couldn't go in. So we're asking, can we come in girl's like oh yeah if you have your resident card and this kind of stuff and i'm sitting out front because i couldn't turn the car off like it wouldn't turn off (laughs) so it's just like going and going and going and i can't roll the windows back up and i'm just sitting out front of this like country club and this car like trying now that now that you know i got the hood up trying to figure this thing out and a (laughs) seagull just drops a hermit crab on the windshield (laughs) exploding all over it's just like garbage people uh, you know and um and it was not like it did not feel great yeah, <laughs> and so like, mm. and, it, and like couldn't get the windows back up the whole drive home 
and then got into bed sty and I literally had to take the door apart to like hit some latch to get the window back up at like nine o'clock in bed sty like trying to like fix this window you know and I was like I just wish this window went up you know? <laughs> it's so <Yeah>. bad <laughs> yeah, so you're like I know it looks cool, yeah. but I would take a crappy looking new car. Yeah, yeah. well, it, you know, that's character, I guess. But, yeah. but I'm very. You, you got these good stories now, too. Exactly. I'm thankful. Thankful for the cars. Of course, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tim, thank you so much. Whoa. <clears throat> I'm trying to get comfortable with this straight mic stand. Um, thank you, Thank Paul. you to Pat Firth for letting us use his apartment. Thank you for hanging. What, are we, what track should we play people out with? Well, you were going to originally say. Uh, time Wasted Was I, that the original idea? I, well that was the first song on the EP And yes. I, I always told Tim this story That I had his record And I had Prince's 1999 And it would just always play Every time I started up my car <laughs> So I heard Time Wasted so much And I would always And it would depend It really affects your mood too I was like ah, Do I want to do 1999 or Time Wasted You know what I mean? <laughs> it was like So to me that, that song is special to me But I'm up for If you have well, late bloomers I was, also. I was gonna say let's do late bloomers. Okay, I I I, you know, I was like I think Tim is gonna pick. Yeah. Late bloomers, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. I feel. I mean, not. Yeah, I like time wasted too, but late bloomers. Uh, is that the? That's from this new batch. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I feel. Yeah, that's a that's a special song to me too. So. And uh, I assume it's self-reflective. Uh, yeah, yeah. A bit of a late bloomer, as I described, being very short through most of high school and but i guess it it's kind of uh just about me personally doing that but also just like the you know culture of people taking advantage of other people and just i don't know just being aware of that kind of thing it's like uh I don't really know what the hell I'm trying to say. <laughs> no, no, no. It makes sense. I like it. It's, it's meaningful to me because I remember <clears throat> being 20 and going to purchase and wanting to study song writing or song production or whatever. And I remember telling the teacher, I was like, you know, I, I guess I'm coming to songwriting late. And he's like, oh, no, people come to writing late. Mm. And I, and I, you, I mean, yeah, that's you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, You're like, probably. yeah, I came to the writing thing quite late and, uh. Yeah, I, yeah, it's like a, it's it's just like trying to, you know, this idea of, okay, I, I guess I know what I want to say, but it's like this idea of um, exceptionalism and child prodigy and just celebrating genius. I think we just love it. We just love genius. America we lo- loves winners culture. We, yeah, yeah, we just love it, and I think for me personally, it's like that's cool and that's great but like i i want to hear what other people have to say too and i there was this bill evans quote that was up on in my college that was always on the wall and i don't remember exactly but the general idea was i love musicians who weren't necessarily talented and worked hard to find a voice and that i feel like they came to something much deeper more beautiful in the long run than those who just were naturally gifted. Mm-hmm. And so I do believe in that thing and that idea of working hard and discovering things about yourself and not to just be, well, I'm not this now, so I might as well not do anything. You know, 
it's always there's always time to learn a new thing there's always time to start surfing like write songs like all the things and all the awesome things and it brings you know like how much joy does it bring to your life even though you're like oh we should have done it when i was 12 but like it's there now and that's all that matters so yeah it's true that's kind of that's what that's about i guess oh that's a beautiful sentiment and then i usually ask but i feel like we kind of touch i always say what what is and it's an uncertain time so this this question has become even more challenging but like what potentially is in the future for casual mail in tim lappin and where do we find you timlappin.com there is timlappin.com uh <laughs> lots of great content there yeah. uh, <laughs> um casual mail is on instagram spotify at, yeah, yeah casual all mail the spaces i think it's at casual mail band band on in on um on band camp too yeah on band camp yep and um yeah i think all the stuff is at casual mail band so facebook all those things but yeah uh on spotify just casual mail and timlappin.com I, I as far as what's coming up um I've been doing these like little covers with this boombox. Oh my god, I meant uh, to ask about that. Good thing you're saying it. Yeah. Um, and I'm gonna do more of those, and um, I think I'm gonna start putting more stuff on Line and YouTube, and just trying to do more and more covers. And because uh, you're just madly in love with '80s, '80s cheese. Yeah, I kind of am, man. Yeah. Just like drum machines and tape machines, I'm like so into it. And um, so I'm gonna try, and it's also good for me to learn how to like sing someone else's song that's hard yeah it's freaking hard uh props to you and everyone who does it like i just read an ipod dude (laughs) but still like god it's so hard um so i'm gonna do those and then uh i don't know maybe do another ep i i don't know i've i've determined that i need to do it for my soul you're gonna do it yeah Yeah, yeah. it's gonna happen what am i you know unless i don't know and it's awesome. We we talk. Check out Tim's boombox videos. They're cool. That is your solo show. Is you and a boombox. Yeah. A tape. A tape deck. Essentially. Yeah. Exactly. You, so I like make tracks, and then I bounce them to a cassette tape, and then like live. Kirk and I would do it. Duo, again. It's like a magician thing, you know. Get the great assistant, and then you know you're yeah. not paying attention to my crap guitar. Yeah. So, and then play the the tape through the boombox and have that running through like a sampler that I can add delay and reverbs and stuff and some samples too. So it's kind of like a, it's a it's gimmicky, but it works. No, but it's cool. <laughs> it fills out the sound. I yeah. Mean, I mean, cool. it, like it su- works surprisingly well. I was shocked at how well it worked. Yeah. Um, and people seem to like it and it's different than the live show. So it's kind of, a, or the full band show, I should say. Yeah. So yeah, I'm doing, going to do more of those and just try and, I'm sorry, <laughs> try and just, uh, yeah, just get better at singing and learn how people write a freaking song, you know? Yeah. <laughs> are you going to surf all the way through the winter? Okay, that was the final question. <laughs> like, yeah. like, are you psyching yourself up for January and March yeah. surf? <clears throat> I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it all. You're doing it? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I usually do. It's like the frequency drops down. My rule is if it's too cold for me to be outside with, like, a jacket and hat and gloves, I'm not going to go surf. But, like, if it's like, oh... Like, I'm out here in my jack, and I feel nice. I'll go for a walk. I could go surfing that day. Maybe. You know, if it's good, I'll go. I, there's going to be nothing going on. So this I, this feels like the winter where I'm like, I don't have anything all fucking day. So I guess. Yeah, yeah. I'll go. I'll yeah. go. Let's go. <laughs> Dude, skis. Everybody, please check out Casual Mail. This is the Tim Lappin. 
<laughs> Tim, thank you for taking the time on this sunny Wednesday. Beautiful day. I'm going to go push stop. This is always the, uh, like, yeah. we, I can't okay. just do it. I got to, like, get right. up. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Should I just keep talking while you go? <laughs> you can. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, Paul. This is fun. <laughs>
fucking good is Tim's music? Huh? God damn, casual male. Hell yes, big fan. Um, in podcast news, thanks for still listening if you're here. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to do two month, two a month released on Thursdays. It's taken me four years to actually figure out what the best thing and what can work for me. That's a manageable schedule. Also, Thursday, it gives me all during the week when I'm pseudo productive to get this shit together. You know what I'm saying? Like weekends are usually a wash. Because if I'm not working, I'm probably fooling around. So uh, I'm trying to do two a month. I have a legit super celeb coming up in two weeks. Mrs. Smith. She is amazing. And I actually tracked it on the same day as the Tim podcast, like at the night at the phone one. Um, she's a shredding fucking phenom. So Mrs. Smith, I'm pretty psyched about that. That one is, I was legitimately nervous. Um, um, no, no other real news. That was the news. Uh, <laughs> enjoy the never ending news cycle. Uh, maybe you want to take a news fast the week of the election. I kind of thought that would be funny. Like that was the week that you decided. <laughs> Yuck. People are like, oh my God, can you believe it? And you're like, no, 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 don't tell me. I'm doing a news fast this week. Anyway, be well, be healthy, get enough sleep, get enough water, go listen to all of Tim's records because they're fucking sick. I'm going to drink a little more tea. Maybe go create some art, listen to some music, play some music. I'll see y'all soon.